Hey, Lights, Camera, Barstool listeners, you can find us every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. For us, golf is simple. It's a chance to get out and have some fun with our friends. But inevitably, little things have a way of ruining it. The group ahead is taking forever. You can't find the fairway with a map. And the Bev cart is nowhere to be found. And the best way to make a bad day better is Fireball Whiskey. You get their nips, the little shooters. They are great. Makes a bad day way, way, way better. Make sure to grab the new Fireball Birdie Shot Club. It's literally a golf club filled with Fireball nips. Put it in your bag. It'll fit right in that side pocket. Drink Fireball nips and have a great time on the golf course. To infinity and beyond! The Lord tells me he can get me out of this mess, but he's pretty sure you're fucked. It's why you fail. You can't handle the truth! Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. Welcome to Lights, Camera, Barstool, episode, ooh, I don't know. Fuck. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Episode, I don't know, 360-something, 315. I was off by 50. Yeah, well, it's, we talked about the, the area codes like two episodes right. ago, so we the, did. 315 sounds fine. What's what's 315? What's that area code? We'll just do this for every episode now on. Every, every start, episode. Start with area codes. We just always talk about the fucking air. People actually liked it. People were amped that we talked about area codes. Um, what's going on? Jeff Flick and Jack Bones. Fucking move. Got a lot of news today. Got a lot of things to cover. We're interviewing Joe Manganello for the second time. We got cucked uh, because he said a bunch of cool yeah. things other things. That kind of sucked. Uh, it's okay. He said it to us, though, and he was he's very cool. He's the fucking man. Wait, what happened? Joe, Joe Manganello makes a lot of news when he talks because he is a very open book about things in Hollywood. Uh, not a negative way. Talked a lot about Deathstroke and the Snyder Cut, but we released. It was releasing today, so it, unfortunately, unfortunately, the 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 trades got their interviews out before us. So, mm-hmm. um, it's we'll still get very good, We'll though. get a couple uh, screen rant articles and whatnot. I think S- Cinema Pigs. Uh, we're also reviewing yeah. Sound of Metal from Amazon Prime Video. Uh, sneaky, one of the best movies of the year, probably, and a great performance from Riz Ahmed. We will get into it. Pretty heavy movie too. Uh, emotionally speaking and then trill the bracket i got another bracket for us to do tease what it is don't tell us what's in it oh okay i'll tell I me mean, i'll tell you what the bracket is i won't tell you what the yeah. individual selections are it's the um it's the best movie coat jacket bracket oh uh, based off that twitter thread N- no i what 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 twitter thread Oh, it was like a big Twitter. <laughs> there was like a really big Twitter thread that went around like two days ago. That's like, what's the best movie jacket? Oh, no, no, this is good though. I have ammunition for this now. Parallel, just just browse that thread, and I mean, you know, maybe I, maybe I missed out on it. 
maybe I missed out on some selections. But you know what? Now, like, now I'm pissed off because I feel like I've been cucked. Yeah, it sounds like it. Full circle. <laughs> sounds like it. Uh, what's going on uh, over that, though? What's 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 uh, in? By the way, I do want to note we we did make a lot of negative comments on cyberpunk. Uh, those weren't actual cyberpunk images that we saw. Ken Jack yes. learned minutes after we stopped recording the other day. It's a GTA mod, but there's a, it was a very good looking GTA mod. So I'll give credit where it's due to those people. They fooled the shit out of my dumb brain. Now cyberpunk's been getting good reviews. I, I got mine fully downloaded and I just switched my console uh, to New Zealand time. So the second we're done playing, I'm bypassing the 11, 11, uh, 12 PM, whatever it is. Uh, uh, start time and because i'm in my consoles technically in new zealand i'm good to go i'm in december 10th baby Seems um, illegal yeah and I, I have an xbox one x so it's you know past gen but the the most powerful past gen so maybe it'll perform like crap who knows i've i've read where the game has a lot of bugs and a lot of problems but overall people are enjoying it so i, I think It'll i'm gonna fixed. enjoy it well valhalla it's not like valhalla was a you know well, I don't know. Um, didn't have a whole lot of attention to detail in a lot of instances. I thought Valhalla was a very buggy game. Yeah, I think uh, the the same thing that'll happen, or that happened with like games like Witcher Three, will probably happen with Cyberpunk, where they they patch it over the first like few months and then it turns into the the best game it could be. I'd rather just be out at this point though, because the yeah. delays. I'm an, I'm done with the delays. Something. I just need exactly. something. Just give me. Get me through the end of the year, folks. 2020, am I right? Oh, fucking. I had too many sugar-free desserts today. My room smells like so bad like farts. It is just, it's nothing but farts. You ever do, you, I don't know, you guys yeah. don't do sugar-free stuff, but when no, you I eat do too sugar many free sugar-free stuff, dude, they are the worst fart bombs. Oh, they yeah. So it's, it's, it's like the Zorbitol or whatever it is, the yeah. xanthan gum. I don't know what the actual, like, artificial sweetener is, but there's there's a specific kind like I can drink Diet Cokes all day long and I'm sure it's not good for me, but it doesn't give me bubble guts. Mm-hmm. But if, if I have like three sugar-free Werther's originals, I feel like I'm going to shit my pants. That's what I had. I had um, two of these uh, keto fat bomb things. I forget what the company is, but, uh, and I won't give them a free shout out anyway, but I had like two of them and I'm literally like my asshole's falling out. It's just like my and the, the stench won't leave my room. Like I open the door, I turn the fan on everything. Like it's, it's, soaked into my sheets there's nothing i can do about it what else i mean what else is going on with you guys besides from just prolapsing your anus nothing nothing really candy okay gotta travel i'll be in austin for a month so uh so that's traveling is one of my least favorite things to do so cannot wait for that especially right now Actually, I I have flown. It's very easy. The airport part is inc- is a cinch. Yeah, I might well, say. Well, because we've already like we've already been prepared. The last twenty years has just been a preparation for a shitty airport experience. That like what's what's a mask gonna do to like already add on to the like indignation of them looking at your dick when you pass through the the X ray machine. <laughs> I just the only thing I get worried about now is that you'll be on like the flight because you see those videos where it's like the person refuses to wear the mask on the flight and they have to ground it and onboard everybody and reboard. I just get afraid that when I travel, that will be my flight. 
because there's so many of those and you'll just happen to be on one of those. Some asshole won't take, won't put on their mask. And you'll be stuck on the tarmac for seven hours while they come yeah. do an investigation and everything. Yeah. Yeah. What's the longest exactly. you've been on the tarmac? I've been on for, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll be, I've been on for four hours. Three and a half hours at LAX, a couple Christmases ago, actually. It was, it okay, sucks. Too. It does yeah. suck. It's like the, the 30 Rock bit where the, the, what do you call it, the captain just keeps saying 15 minutes, or no, is it a half hour? Because a half hour is a manageable enough amount of time where yeah. like people won't get pissed and inside a riot, but like they're not happy about it. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, I've been delayed too, but being delayed constantly. D- the last time I flew was in September. Having to deplane was tough too. Because yeah. that you're like, oh, that's a whole new process. The the shitty thing about being stuck on the tarmac is that you usually at that rate it's because you got in early, so you're celebrating that you've arrived early, and then if then you find out it doesn't matter. I had a flight from um, I, I don't know where from where to where, but we had to do an emergency landing in um, well, an emer- they, they did a proactive landing in Charleston to make sure like something was safe from storms or whatever. And we just sat there for four hours until it was like got clearance or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember it all that well. And it's, I feel like I never sat on the tarmac that long. Like I think longer than an hour max, but I had like an, a seven hour delay on a flight back from like, we lost you buddy. Ken Jacks, it's gone. All right. Well, let's, we don't have to edit that out, Jeff. Let's keep rolling so you don't have to edit it. How about that? We'll get him he's back. Just, he's telling this elaborate plane story. F- We've, he's back. He's oh, back. He's back. What yeah. the fuck was that? No, I know. That I noticed. I noticed the that second it's That was a good bit. You're telling us about I your big delays and you just pause. The what only he, delay was just that, like, the, they had like a seven, eight hour delay in North Carolina. And that was, was the bit. The bit was, was he it? got us to, he delayed the delay. Block. Yep. <laughs> the aristocrats. Um, all right. Uh, that's whatever. We don't, we don't have to do a, uh, a ton of riffing. We don't got any. We got a lot of news. Let's get to news. But first, this episode brought to you in part by 3Chi. That is right, folks. 3Chi, the number three, C-H-I. Relax this holiday season. Get some 3Chi, the industry leader in hemp-derived cannabis products, all formulated by a biochemist and grown, uh, USA-grown hemp. Uh, they are the best in the industry. They invented that shit first. Federally legal THC products sold in the USA since Prohibition started almost 90 years ago. Delta 8, federally legal version of THC, like I said. But the big thing makes you more functional than marijuana for those who want the same great feelings without the negative side effects. Uh, 3 cheese is just the best in the Delta industry. Like we said, they invented it. Federally legal and available online at 3 cheese 3, the number 3, CHI, like Chicago.com. That's the number three, CHI.com, and it's select retailers around the country. You must be 21 to purchase. Go to 3Chi.com, the shop for Delta 8 vapes, gummies, tinctures, and oils that can be used to make homemade edibles. Use code CAMERA, C A M E R A, at checkout to be 5% off your order. You must be 21 to purchase. I, I'd say go right now. Have it for the holidays. Have it when you're home. As long as you're 21 and up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, correct. Yeah. It is a must in this case. Uh, moving on. Fallout from the HBO Max Warner Brothers thing. Oh, Fallout spill the tea. That, and that I mean Christopher <laughs> Nolan. Uh, he is fucking furious. He said <laughs> so <laughs> far. Because <laughs> he was left looking like an asshole. Yeah, big yeah. time. He had to do some damage control. He did. Some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find out they were working for the worst streaming service. 
Uh, Nolan added, Warner Brothers had an incredible machine for getting a filmmaker's work out there, uh, both in theaters and in the home, and they are dismantling it as we speak. They don't even understand what they're losing. Their decision makes no sense economically, and even the most casual Wall Street investor can see the difference between dis- disruption and dysfunction. Uh, some people saying he's full of shit. Uh, they don't like what Christopher Nolan is kind of throwing out there. Um, <laughs> Uh, some people don't like it, though. I will say that uh, James Gunn did not like that Suicide Squad is going to be going to uh, HBO Max. But others, uh, there is some backlash against Nolan saying that he's kind of ridiculous. There's some others who are trying to call for a backlash of filmmakers to boycott Warner Brothers. Uh, some people say that Tenet's poor performance and the forcing of that going to the box office is a part of the reason why Warner Brothers is doing this. Uh, it's a fucking mess. It's tr- it's truly a mess. Uh, I think you can probably blame both sides a little bit here and there, but the Nolan thing was like, it's like, damn, all right. Like, I get that Christopher Nolan has a shitload of a, a load of wiggle room, and I really want theaters to stay alive. But it, he, I went nuclear. You probably could argue he went a little too hard. He went, he went a, he went a little too far, especially because he definitely gets as much wiggle room as anybody, as you saw with Tenet. He basically forced Tenet into theaters. His movie, which is you know good for him that he got that, but. I think there's a little credit in all corners here that you could say Christopher Nolan probably should have dialed it back a bit. The, the I, I, weird I, thing with I, Nolan is like he's a rarity in that he only ever makes movies that succeed both critically and financially. Like he do, really doesn't miss in that regard. And basically Warner Bros. has always given him the green light since like, like his first movie with them was like Insomnia or something in like 2002. And like they've always said like you want – 200 million you want 200 you want 300 million dollars to make your movie fine do whatever you want we're pretty sure it's going to succeed and like not many other studios would do that even like with this track record now so like to go nuclear option right like your immediate reaction being that i think is a little ridiculous but at the same time I, if i was him i'd be a little scared because it, again it was really his movie that was the litmus test for the market yes yeah i can, I, I respect the move though because he is uh you know, like obviously, like James Gunn. I don't, you know, James Gunn's big name, but he's not Christopher Nolan. And I, I think Christopher Nolan being Christopher Nolan, and, and and not like Christopher Nolan's like on an art house level where he's, you know, the the most artistically respected director. But I, I think in terms of the crossover between mass market popularity and concept, he's he's like super influential there's no debating that so i respect the move that he he he's using his capital in that sense to bonk the studio over the head to uh stick up for his fellow filmmakers because because what this is is this is just posturing right it's two two reasons like one posturing is just he's speaking on behalf of the directors and the production teams and everything that goes into making a movie your long-term goal isn't that you want to see it dumped up on the purple app platform to be lost by the the annals of history faster than movies are normally lost there and the second reason is i think there's a lot of people chuckling at tenant as being that canary in the cold mine coal mine that that led to this decision when in fact that i think it was probably a small part of it to point to like okay here's here's real um quantitative evidence of movies not really being a viable thing right now for a, a pure cinematic release but I don't think you need a tenant for that to happen because those wheel those wheels were in motion far far before tenant was even released. So, I, I just think it's uh, I, I I like the move. I think he's he's being he's cashing he's cashing in his chips. I think it is like a little whiny because 
Um, I don't know. It just, I, I it, think the, the, the language of just like work. Now you're working for the worst, the, like the best studio, the worst, like that, that hyperbole, I think is what comes yes. off whiny to me. I, I think the general sentiment is, is fine. It's just that like you go over the top and saying it, you seem kind of like, it's just too weird. On the heels of him getting his way with tenant for the most part, that's where it becomes a little, that's where you, you roll your eyes. Like on the heels of that, like, had this been maybe right when Tenet was going to come out? Not that I'm, like, definitely, like, piss and moan about it, but, like, you could understand it a little more. But, like, he did kind of get his way, and it didn't really go exactly what the studio wanted. Like, you can definitely be angry, and I don't I, – a lot of what he's saying I do agree with, but, like, the more, like – like he said, hyperbole, hyperbolic, over-the-top, like, now you work for a fucking dumpy-ass stream. Like, all right, like – it's one of the better streaming would, services. Come on, yes, that's exactly. Better, the, probably the best full catalog on the entirety. It is of, like it's, of, it's, it's arguably yeah. incorrect for 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 movie people too. Like not just streaming. Like oh, they got great shows. For like his people, like, like movie fans. Like it's the it is the number uh, criterion. There's others as well, but like HBO Max or like mainstream big players. The collection of classics is incredible. So it's Their like catalog is by me, far the best. Yeah, it makes me roll my eyes a little bit. And well, it, it, it's funny too because like it, Warner Brothers would definitely obviously still be existing without Christopher Nolan. Like Christopher Nolan would not be who Christopher Nolan is right now without Warner Brothers. And that's not to say he's beholden to them for his career success, but like to not even give them the benefit of the doubt for like I don't know a fucking a little bit more of a test run, especially after he got they like they kind of they bowed down to him. They gave him the chance to do it his way, and it didn't work. That to me is where it comes off a little more whiny. More than anything else, anyway. Uh, yeah, I think it's just one of those things where like people go back and forth. It's like, well, like you know, it's it's hard to be on the side of a mega corporation, but then it's also like hard to be on the side of someone like Christopher Nolan, who, like, we we like him as a director, but like he's he's doing okay, and so I, I get this sentiment from the standpoint of like standing up for people in the industry who may not have a voice. And at the end of the day, Warner Brothers is going to be okay. And Christopher Nolan's going to be okay. Like people who are hurt by all this, um, regardless of the decision to put it on streaming or not, it's just the, the, you know, the, the, the people holding the lights, the people, you know, running the, the, the cameras uh, that are like on the ground in the industry itself, like not getting the work because productions changed or schedules has shifted or money's not going to be made in the same way it was going to be made this year. Um, so it's, it's bluster. It's just, that's been the fun. Fighting part. the tide. Well, but that's been the fun part about it this year is like, it's, it's peeled back the curtain on this, uh, this um, problem on the horizon for movies. And COVID has kind of sped that up tenfold um we knew at some point there's going to be some big sea change and moment of reckoning with the the model of theaters uh and like like we said before it's not going away like in the same way like vinyl is not going away as a way to listen to music we just don't know if it's going to be the the preeminent way to watch new release movies anymore and i think that that watching that discussion bubble up in the forefront uh is is quite entertaining Oh, I, that's the classic. I thought Trill had more to say on that. I don't have more to say, yeah, but it, uh, it's, we love, we, we, like, at the end of the day, we love the drama of this. It is, it, this is, this is, it is the, the, the palace, the palace intrigue. 
It is rather empty. Put it under the shade room. Um, next thing, Spider-Man. It's a big old... I, I wrote in the... I know I said HBO Max was a fuck fest. Uh, but Spider-Man 3 is just... It's it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Uh, uh, Alfred Molina. You have Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, uh, Emma Stone, Andrew Garfield. Basically, they're going to bring back... It's a live-action Spider-Verse movie. It's not all for like it's not all confirmed. Confirmed. A lot of these are rumors. That's worth noting. But major where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, and I, I think at this point, it's very clear that we will be getting a live action into the Spider Verse. Now that might mean that Jamie Fox could be back as Blue Electro because if they're doing the same characters from that one, I don't know. So it's it's there's a lot of weird things. I don't know how it's going to shape up. What's going to look like. Really wish we would have interviewed Joe Manganiello fucking after this news came out because could have asked him if he'd be back as as Flash Thompson. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have Joe back on. <laughs> that would have been the funnier, I think, comparison is the three Flash Thompsons because the three Flash Thompsons look nothing alike. Yeah. They're so – like because the, the actor who plays Flash Thompson in Homecoming is like an appropriately aged Flash Thompson. And then Joe Manganiello was like 27 when he did Flash Thompson. So this is the, the, that, I think, would be the funniest juxtaposition if they were to show that, uh, those characters side by side. Uh, I, this is, I, it's funny because the last time there was a Spider-Man 3, it was too much shit in one movie. It was a mess. This one technically is the third totally, Spider-Man movie. Totally, like just a, a yes. train wreck. Now, did they do a Spider-Verse for the animated one? Yes, but they also didn't do a Spider-Verse that brought this many people. I mean, there were, but like, now you're like... The Doc Ock in that one was a lot different than Doc Ock. Like, these are big-time roles and big-time players, so you're really clustering it up. The, it's so going to focus... It's a, it's a meta event, though. It's going to focus mm-hmm. mostly on Tom Holland, that's for sure. I think a lot of these roles will be a little smaller, with the exception of maybe the Spider-Men. Uh, but this will also... I would imagine that WandaVision will have a bit to do with this. WandaVision is going to have alternate dimensions and realities. Um so, I, I mean, I'm fucking amp. Could be a disaster. It's going to be Sony puking all over itself. Who knows? But I think Kevin Feige probably has a little hand in it with Amy Pascal as well. So, uh, the, the news is exciting. Whether it's going to be good or not, I don't know. But, man, this, this you want to see a, a, a solo movie that's going to fucking do numbers the box office? Cross the fingers that we're all back to normal in the box office. But, holy shit, this one? With the, the end of the Spider Verse live action, are in terms of movie news, like Kendrick, you know, you post the ones on Instagram, I post ones on Twitter. They had some big numbers socially. People are fucking oh, yeah. amped about this. Going ballistic, especially the Toby Jones fan group, which is huge. Like I, I think people kind of wait the Toby. Give- Toby, Toby Jones. Toby, well, there, Toby there is a huge, <laughs> there is a tremendous Toby Jones fan group. To be very clear, uh, as well, I love the idea the Toby of a Toby Jones fan group. I want a Jesse Plemons Spider Man. There definitely is a Toby Jones fan group, but uh, Toby Maguire fan group is is tremendous. It's huge. Like they people love that original Spider Man franchise, and I, I think they're super pumped to see it. There's also like a huge Andrew Garfield following too. Like people like I always thought the first the, the two amazing Spider Man were like yeah, it's called Tumblr above average. But yeah, that too. It's, it is a lot of Tumblr people, and they they are obsessed with Andrew Garfield, and they want to see him back. They want to see Toby back. They want to see Tom Holland. There's a, a giant mixing of fandoms happening right now in this in this grouping, and I, I think it's going to be like you said, box office wise, going to be like a, a big event, like you said, true, a meta event. Yeah, I mean the the <laughs> you see this like it's not a new thing, but I think that's one of the benefits of uh, you're the, if you're the money man at Disney. 
this is where you start like reaping the benefits of this gigantic universe you've created because now you can just keep on driving back into yourself and making money with it. Like kind of an infinity symbol of, of, of just referencing the past and it's, it's built in intrigue and it's built in marketing. And quite honestly, I recognize what they're doing and I'm going to be honest, mm-hmm. it's working on me. Cause a lot of, a lot of my anticipation of this movie is just built in the fact that I saw that Spider-Man movie when I was 18 years old, just a, just a little twerp teenage kid. Watching that um, it, Chad Kroger trailer. Yeah. Watching that Chad, watching that upside down kiss and that, the, that being parodied, like you said earlier in the VMAs with, uh, Jack Black and, um, uh, shit. Was it Sarah Michelle Gellar? No. Yeah. It, you, know, you know what it felt like? It felt like you could get away with doing a parody of a movie for at least two to three years after in like the, in like 2000. Oh yeah. Now it needs like, to be like the next month. Yeah, it needs to be the, like the next month, or else it's just age. But in two thousand, you like tuned into the two thousand three VMAs, and, and and you saw like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon like <laughs> promo with like Chris Tucker in it or some shit like that, and it it, it was like, oh, this is quite timely. Um, but yeah, that's I, gonna come out on VHS. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 excited for this in the same way I'm excited for the Super Bowl, in that I have real no vested interest in it, but, but it's. <laughs> It's it's like it's an event that you look forward to because you're told to look forward to, and it's it's something that makes you happy. It's um, ignorance is bliss. Yeah, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a prediction out there. Ready for this? This is a, this is a bold prediction. This is a bold prediction. This is not like uh, so don't hold me to it. I'm sure I'm wrong. Ready for this one? Leo cameo as spider-man leo was almost cast as spider-man years ago i think they're gonna have some secret shit too of like things that were almost cast they're gonna fulfill something people who almost played certain roles i know jake gyllenhaal almost replaced toby mcguire that might be tough because he's probably gonna be in the movie as mysterio anyway yeah. uh but i love the idea of taking other roles and characters that maybe sam raimi didn't get a chance to cast the other movies I forget who directed them like those people who didn't play those roles and having them fulfill even just like a second cameo that that'd be uh that'd be pretty cool even if so, even if it's I like a picture if... like a picture of like that spider-man oh this universe spider-man's dead and it's just leo is spider-man like something like that toby toby mcguire just just tricks leo into being the end of the movie because he tells him there's like a bus full of israeli supermodels that need to be <laughs> saved <laughs> <laughs> if they got two members of the pussy posse in there they would have to that's like a that's a requirement they could get, i think wasn't sean astin in that too it's like the, the, the pussy the posse, posse no way and then there's sean at it was like an e from entourage oh and yeah like, it was e from entourage leo toby mcguire and i'm missing another big one Pagoda. Pagoda was <laughs> yeah he was the, the mystery Bogoda. fourth man in the in the pussy posse Abe Pagoda. oh it was thomas hawk no fucking way. Who is that? Tony Romo? Oh, this is just a weird crew. I'm moving on from this immediately. Um, Leo, uh, David Blaine was in it. <laughs> oh, okay. Toby Maguire, uh, Harmony Corinne, um, Kevin Connolly, right. J.R. Ferguson, Lucas Haas. Yeah, Marky Lucas Haas. Rob. That's what I, was of. I mean, that's a big posse. Uh, um, Spider Verse. It's going to be fucking wild. Good or not, we'll see. Uh, and then last thing before the next bit of news, <laughs> I hope you like Kingsman, folks, because we're getting seven more of them. Apparently in the works. 
according to the former CEO of Marv uh, Movie Studio, movie company, uh, saying that there's like around seven more movies. Ziggy Kamasa, Marv Group CEO. Uh, that's, that's a lot of Kingsman movies. We haven't even got the Kingsman yet because that keeps getting delayed due to COVID. Seven more Kingsman movies. We, we talked to uh, Jaiman Hansu about that. Do you remember? And we were like, yeah, that movie's coming out soon-ish. He's like, yeah, I'm super pumped. That was like, what, last February? Yeah, it was February. It's almost a year ago now. Crazy. <laughs> hey, we're, that interview we still haven't aired. We can't. It's fucking still embargoed now. They, uh, but anyway, I think that this is a franchise, Kingsman, Kingsman anyway, where it's like it's cool because it's unique compared to a lot of other action spy franchises that there are where like kind of just run out of material to use. And I, I think that it's it's unique, but also not beloved enough or prestigious enough where like it, it doesn't shouldn't be touched beyond like a couple of sequels or anything like that. I like the idea of going into multiple movies and like, you know, kind of doing their own self-contained stories like they're doing now with the King's Man, where you're going into a different time. Like you can do that all across English history or British history, really. So I'm all about that. The series, I think would be cool too, because you get to flesh out a full character. That would be awesome. So, I mean, I, I'm all about this. It's not, I, I don't think something that shouldn't be touched or shouldn't be watered down with a bunch of sequels. I'm all about more actions by uh, stuff. I don't, I don't care. Make them. I like them. <laughs> just make it's why are you just make the stuff that makes my brain feel good. I don't care. My brain wants to be tickled. Tickle you know what they're going to do with them when they're done making them? They're going to remake them. Now they're going to put them on their uh, G Technologies Armor Lock encrypted NVMe solid state that's drive. Right. That's how they're going to that's where a quiet place. I bet I bet a quiet place is on this drive somewhere. Sitting around somewhere. It's it's a quiet place underscore zero zero two underscore final underscore v two. The right people will get that. Dot mp4. Um underscore final final dot mp4. Uh yeah, that's right. Our data privacy is constantly being threatened, leaked films, hacked servers, lost or stolen drives. Your valuable media files, they gotta be protected. Legal documents, titles, all of that. Those can be stolen, but with G Technologies Armor Lock encrypted NVME solid state drive. You will not have an issue there. It uh, has an app that delivers high-grade data security with pro-grade performance that is simply amazing and easy to use. Collaboration is key when working on productions or team products. Uh, so ArmorLock, they let you control who gets access to the drive, even if they are in a different location. Easily authorize remote users before shipping the drive to them so they're ready to unlock and use when they get the drive. The ArmorLock solid-state drive is built to withstand the rigors of travel being shipped or accidentally dropped. Ultra-rugged for max durability and reliability. It looks cool, too. It has a really nice little... Uh, section that lights up no passwords necessary just tap the button in the app infield software updates push through the app to keep the drive up to date self-formatting as well upon setup easy easy format manage multiple drives and multiple users and authorize remote users as i said earlier before you ship them the drive because western digital manufactures their own flash technology and solid state drives you can be confident that their products are built from the ground up specifically selected elements to create the best most consistent product experience go to getarmorlock.com to learn more and to get yours Next up on the list. <laughs> See, the beauty of Kingsman. <laughs> Matthew Vaughn wanted to make a movie where the hero gets the girl in the end. And the hero in Kingsman, the first one, got the girl in the end. Oh, it? yeah. Okay. Yeah, good point. That's a good one. I like that. I didn't make that up. No, I think that, that was a good callback. That, that was something I just that, I didn't connect with me okay. until I read it the other day. <laughs> good callback. Okay. I enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, here's a headline. Quick headlines on these. 
The Suicide Squad's John Cena had to eat 31 empanadas for a scene on the Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's a lie. He didn't eat them. He did the thing <laughs> the won. Hollywood people... They do this on sets all the time, or like they take the three bites and then the, the, the guy comes in with the garbage can, the PA, and they spit it out. That's what he meant by eating. He just threw there, it out. There no was a day swallowed. where we shot on a rooftop where we're all editing, or eating. I had, I had to eat an empanada, and I took it upon myself to try to eat the entire empanada in a seamless take thinking that it'll look great, but it was also a complicated shot for James. 31 empanadas later, we got it right. Liar. There's no chance. He's an absolute liar. He didn't swallow. Liar. Hashtag John Cena didn't swallow. <laughs> Absolutely not. He's a fucking liar. Uh, uh, next he's trying, thing. He's trying to fucking, uh, he's trying to swagger Jack the Rock. Rock is what he's trying to he do. Is, he is trying to do exactly. that. That's bullshit. Uh, Trill, what do you think about this one? Matthew Morrison's Grinch. For the live-action Grinch on NBC Love was it. partly inspired by Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Uh, wh- why That's not? That's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, it's just, it's just fucking, it's just, nothing could be more optimized to get clicks in 2020. Well, oh, he knows. I that. mean, there's stuff that could be optimized more to get clicks in 2020. It'd be like the, Addison the, Ray. It just goes back, me. it goes back to what you said when Matthew Morrison looked in the mirror after season two of Glee and said... I've got this. Nowhere. It's just it was only the beginning, baby. Nowhere, like, to go. nowhere to go but up. Like they're call, they're you know his agents like, hey Matthew, I swear, I I I got Hawkeye on lock for you. <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> just be patient. This I've is always Joss the start, the Matthew. I got Joss on the phone. I really felt like the that was how the Grinch would dance. At first I was like, I don't think the Grinch dances didn't feel very grinchy but then i came up with that and it felt right i just i mean we're gonna watch this right oh yeah 100 yeah, percent. the, I mean, the entire I mean, it, it's actually quite brilliant right like i i do feel like this is being engineered to get our attention because the grinch looks horrific they're they're doing oh they're, fuck they're doing a sonic it's, one it's, it's one just point started now. no it just started right now oh well we're turning it on all right, it's on Peacock. It's on P. Okay, so Wait, it's don't not have on the NBC. audio. It's not on mainline NBC. I don't know. All right, we we got we got to turn it on. We're not going to comment too much on it, but I just want it out of the corner of the eyes. Okay. Anyway, there, everything about this was designed. We're just going to make the Grinch look horrific, like Sonic 1.0, um, and then we're just going to say he's basically the Joker. He's the Jokerified Grinch, and. Um, People are going to be like us where they're like, oh, shit, like I didn't even realize what day it's on. So I guess I'm going to tune in to watch it. It's a little too early oh, for the Grinch. what we're doing right now. I feel like this is yeah. a December 15th sort of thing. Hmm. Is it over already? I can't find it. No, I just went to the I just went to the, the to NBC live stream and it said that it's going on for like the next block of TV. Yeah, it's, it's on it's on NBC at at. Um, it's, it's on NBC. On. Oh, okay, so it's just not up on Peacock yet. I read that wrong. All right. Anyway, let's 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 continue on. Well, I'm I'm hold on. I'm turning it on NBC. I got. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. the corner of my. Do you remember? Oh, it's, horrif- when, oh, it's horrifying. Do you remember when they did the the not the Glee, but the rent the rent musical, and then the dude broke yeah. his leg, and then they had to air the non live version. I mean, how bad do you feel for that entire cast? How much work they went in to put on a live TV version of Rent and then this dude does a backflip off of a kitchen island and breaks his leg or whatever? Um, anyway, no okay, day, so we, 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 <laughs> we have the Grinch up 
next to us. We let's not get too distracted because bad radio. But we're in a non we're in a non Grinch scene right now. There there is no Grinch on TV. This looks horrifying. It's, uh, it, this the, the set design on this looks like they spent seventy five dollars in Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, David Cross says filming Alvin and the Chipmunks 3 was awful. Here's the quote. Doing the third Alvin and the Chipmunks, and he's talking about, he said before, he did this for a paycheck, was uh, they were so disrespectful of me and so mean. Like just petty and weird, and I could tell you a bunch of different anecdotes. He said it was really strange because when you think of, and let me put this through the, to preface this by saying, I can't tell you how many parents over the decades have been like, man, Thank you for doing that because I had to watch that fucking thing 40 times and at least you're funny. And at least this, I've gotten uh, that comment a million times. It always makes me feel better. That in conjunction with kids who are like, hey, your Uncle Ian. Kids loved it and it was international. <laughs> I mean, I got recognized in Mozambique on a beach in Mozambique. It was nuts. But yeah, they were so shitty to me. <laughs> and I always like, you know. The, the chipmunks were asshole <laughs> alvin that, the stuff alvin. that's funny that's not in the script that's stuff that i'm working on and i'm a professional i come in and i know my lines and i'm there when i'm supposed to be and i come up with new things and i pitch things um so he he's basically a bad said, guy right i i guess he basically said that he was he was treated like a piece of shit doing alvin the chipmunks three. Oh, uh, was that the one that was on the cruise liner or is that just the squeakle Chip no, Rick. that's Chipwreck. Chipwreck Chip 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 is the Chip third one. Yeah, it is the third one. Okay, yeah, he looked miserable on that. That's not that that plays well, that follows. It was it, it was always odd to see David Cross pop up in those movies, but you got to pay the bills. Yeah, because that's a Jason Lee movie, but that's not a David Cross movie. Yeah, but Jason Lee's also paying the bills with that too. Like n- nobody signs up to do Alvin and the Chipmunks like with a proud pen. Was Justin Long one of the Chipmunks? He uh, Justin Long. Up? It was Justin Long's podcast. Okay, but Justin Long, I think, was one of the Chipmunks. No, uh, I think you Chipmunks are right. Movie? I don't think I'm making that up. The no, I'm like Chipmunks. pretty sure you're right. Yeah. So I was gonna say he's a guy who I I think he deserves to be in Chipmunk movies, more Chipmunk movies, because kids do love them. Like they're obsessed with those movies. I'm not. I'm not even planning to make my daughter aware of the existence of these I did, you don't want to be played in your household the song no i i just um i don't i don't like theodore that greedy fuck power ranking the the chipmunks getting domed i mean simon was getting simon was <laughs> he was on another planet he, he was on collab um. <laughs> he was holding on for dear life uh, next thing, last thing of news, uh, a recipe for seduction. Uh, so there's a Mario Lopez, Colonel Sanders movie coming to Lifetime. And when I saw the trailer, it was on Twitter. It was ripped from a YouTube. Pretty funny. It's, it's a sexy Colonel Sanders. Until the end when it said presented by Kentucky Fried Chicken, it, compl- I, it completely lost me. I thought this might be a funny thing for us to review, but knowing that it's this self-aware... I'm out. I'm out on it. It it worked. I mean, it did work. They did. They did what they needed to do with this. Correct. I give them I, credit. I, I don't think there's any marketing department as savvy as KFCs for what they have to market. Dude, they didn't even have to pay real Reba to do those ads. They got fake Reba for a dime on the dollar. 
<laughs> my brain's just going through a wormhole right now trying to parse out the okay matthew morrison's on screen as the grinch he is yeah i see he is he is on screen at the grinch Uh, he's like um he's he's kind of a david bowie looking grinch (laughs) is it it, 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 it's weird because he's so he's so thick down below but his face is so chiseled it it it, it's this weird cognitive dissonance it's like i don't know i'm trying to place it and then his dog is being played by uh, another human being he does have he's, a very David I think Bowie. They, they try to do the set. Yeah, he didn't. They, it's a, he, he's like David Bowie, nineteen ninety four, with the swoop, swoop bangs or something. They try to do the set as if it was the the illustrations in the Doctor Seuss book, and it's it doesn't really work well, because everything else ass. is three dimensional. Pro- well, that's proper, what I'm saying is properly, is it, it sucks ass. It's like artistically, you know what they're trying to do, but it looks cheap. Yeah. Um, anyway, what 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 were what were we talking about? Yeah. I'm sorry. I just uh, had, I chipmunks getting hit. Yeah, oh yeah, chipmunks giving yeah. dome. Yeah, I know. I, I I really enjoy KFC. I I think everything they have to offer in terms of fried chicken is very good. Um, but their marketing department. I know they've done like the candles before, or the 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 logs that smell like fried chicken. I just think from a marketing standpoint, this this got a lot of buzz. I mean, I saw people post this on this. I found out on Facebook. We're posting this on Facebook. They're like, oh, this is funny. And Mario Lopez, I mean, this works because Mario Lopez still is a snack. Yeah. Like, he, he, looks, he looks good Ooh, as this, like, sexy colonel. In, in the last four years of our hyper-aware of being horny culture, of just having, like, sexy version of, of old, like, you know, advertising figures, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more, like, a sexy... Uh, Captain Crunch, sec- sexy Count Chocula, sexy Ronald, sexy Pillsbury Doughboy. Because you know we, we had didn't we have sexy we had sexy Hamburglar. I think that was we like the, that, well, was, that the, was legitimately the Hamburglar became sexy. Well, that was the start. Yeah, of that it. was yeah. gross. I hated that one. But that was kind of the start of it, where they're like, it, 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 part of it was like Mister Clean too, when they decided to make Mister Clean sexy and and jacked and buff and have that. Nice, that was, I think, nice, the, the kickoff point, right? Yeah, I feel like it, and and people were receptive of it. So, I think this is a continuing trend. I don't hate it. The, the only disappointment I had for this whole KFC thing was this this quote unquote movie. Apparently, is fifteen minutes. Which, like, from a resource it's allocation a short, standpoint, I get it, but I kind of, kind of feel like you got to go all the way with it. Like, commit—that's just committing to the bit to do a whole movie. Yeah, I mean, that's just a short. Got to go full in, right? Make a full movie about a about a bad meme. I think the like Grinch Grumpy had Cat a, the movie. I think the Grinch just had a fart scene. <laughs> I'm sure he I did. Think Matthew, I have Morris, no audio on, but I'm assuming he just farted. Yeah, stinky now. <laughs> the, the Grinch did it. He dutied. I actually watched uh, uh, Home Alone three the other day again. Threw it on, and the, uh, the 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 poop pipe in the basement made me laugh once again. When the <laughs> when when the goofy character falls down the stairs, gets shit he on. Shoots, he, he shoots the pipe and poop falls on him. That movie, watching it again, it, what a it tonally, and not just because it's terrorists, but when when the heist starts, the the tone shift of that movie is unbelievable. It's a serious kids, like it's a serious PG terrorist movie, and then it becomes goofy, wacky, like kid beats up the bad guys. It's just so 
Like even I know that's what Home Alone does, but like in, in, this one is so drastic because they're terrorists that it takes it's just such a bizarre turn. I had a lot of fun watching that movie again. That's it's so bad. And the poop you got it's got a poop pipe. Can't beat the poop pipe. Joe Manganiello. We've interviewed him before. We interviewed him again. Uh, we talked about his new movie. We talked about Justice League. We talked about Spire. We talked about a ton of shit with him. He had some great stories. Talked about some of his favorite movies. It was a hell of a good time with Joe Manganiello. Here's our interview. Once again, we are joined. Recurring guest now, Joe Manganiello. How are you? You you do look very different than the last time we talked to you. The, the hair yeah. has reversed. You got facial hair, top of the mm-hmm. head, not so much. Nope, nope. They flipped, um, <laughs> which is fun to do sometimes. I haven't, this is the first time I've been bald in, I think uh, – since college, so probably 20, maybe 23 years. Do you look like an NFL strength and conditioning coach? <laughs> yeah, I get, a, uh, I'm over, I get the power plate over here. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's funny. That's actually, that's good. All right. The, uh, the last time we talked to you, we threw a lot of ideas out there. And all three of them, between Kurt Warner, Craven the Hunter, and Snyder Cut, Something has happened in all three, so we'll get to those. Mm-hmm. We, we, pretty large updates on all three of them. But mm-hmm. first, we want to talk about Arch Enemy coming to theaters and on demand December 11th. For those who don't know what it's about, I'll give you a quick run-through. A teenager meets a mysterious man named Max Fist who claims he lost his superpowers after arriving from another dimension. Together, they take to the streets to wipe out a vicious crime boss and his local drug syndicate. Let us know what to expect with Arch Enemy, which is garnering some early, very positive reviews. People seem to really like it. Yes, I think that that description is accurate. Um, what to expect. I mean, you can't go into it. There's, there's really no expectations. It's one of the weirdest scripts I've ever read. Um, which, which definitely was attractive to me. Um, and, um, yeah, you, you don't know, you don't know what to believe. And the main character, Max Fist that I play in the film, he doesn't know what to believe. You know, he doesn't know if he's, he has memories of this other dimension, and being some sort of like champion in that dimension, the way that you would think of a Superman. Um, but he's also a meth addicted, possibly schizophrenic, alcoholic, homeless person. Uh, so there's all of that. And I, I think it's, it's very murky and he's not sure what to believe. Uh, but there is this character named Hamster who is like, you know, the boy reporter who, uh, who is his blogger. And he's the only one who believes Max. You're doing this with the same, at least or very similar or same producing crew as well, who did Mandy, which we mm-hmm. love. Mandy was, mm-hmm. Mandy's, yeah, ins- that, if you want to use the word insanity, yep. like that one, that was there. Any similar vibes there that you can maybe tie in for those who've seen Mandy and maybe what to expect with this one? Yeah, very much. So I was completely obsessed with Mandy, which is actually how I met all of the folks okay. over okay. at Spectrovision, who are my producing partners uh, and brought me into the film. Um, I became obsessed with Mandy, um, became great friends with the director, Panos Cosmatos and everyone over at Spectre Vision from, you know, Elijah to Daniel Noah to Lisa Whalen. And we just, you know, started talking about trying to find something to do together. And Lisa Whalen sent me the script for Arch Enemy. And it had that, you know, 
I mean, plot-wise, obviously different from Mandy, but um, but it had that same sense of spirit in like like the like what would attract an audience to go see Mandy or me was the same thing that would attracted me to this movie or would attract me to see it was that it was just this batshit crazy uh, romp that was also very intelligent but very much out there. And I was a fan of Adam Egypt Mortimer's uh, previous film, uh, Daniel Isn't Real. I saw that, which made a big splash at South by Southwest and some other festivals. And, um, and I thought that, like, you know, this script and, and his hands, um, plus what I, what I thought I could bring to it, I, you know, it's like, oh, my God, sign me up, please, you know. It's funny you describe it that way because one tagline that I saw for the movie or at least one description that someone gave for it was that it gave, it puts the boys to shame. And have you seen the boys? <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't, but I, I know of it. And I was a big fan of all the indie comics of like the eighties and nineties, which that show kind of draws from spiritually. Yeah. That, so like the kind of the, I think the idea behind that is it's very irreverent superhero comedy where like it, it kind of subverts all expectations from a superhero movie. And that's what the idea I kind of got from the trailer. So I guess you can go into it almost expecting that while also expecting the unexpected, right? Yeah, very much. I mean, it, it was, you know, superheroes were held in it's such, um, they were held like, like precious kind of porcelain dolls to a certain extent until you got into the eighties. And then you had people like Frank Miller, Chris Claremont, um, Pat Mills, um, even like Eastman and Laird uh, start deconstructing a lot of those archetypical heroes. And, um, you know, like, for example, like, you know, the Ninja Turtles was just this, it wasn't pizza and skateboards. It was an existential crisis about abominations and their place in the world and being trained for vengeance and then alleviating that vengeance and trying to understand what place they serve in the universe. It was this very deep discussion, not just for little kitties, you know, that I enjoyed when I was younger. But I think, you know, the, the films and entertainment that we had when I was younger was more challenging. I think it was more challenging. I think it was scary. I think people weren't afraid to scare kids and challenge kids. And I grew up in that time. And so the comics that I was attracted to were the ones that were really saying something, you know, whether that was, you know, Dark Knight or Martial Law, Fear and Loathing or, uh, irredeemable was a really fascinating exploration of what would happen if Superman turned evil and turned against the justice league. And so, you know, when I read this script for our enemy, it struck me as a, what if comic from that period that was asking, what if Superman landed on the wrong planet? Mm-hmm. That series is actually you know, coming soon too. What if that would be, Ooh, you got to get you involved if, in that. Too. What if he lost his powers and was in pain, constant all day pain, you know, what happens to him versus, you know, of course, you know, he lands and gets the ability to fly and, you know, but also furthermore, it was a bit of an exploration of, uh, and once people see the movie, they'll understand, but like, we're so conditioned to power being put in the hands of a hero that can handle it. Right. Like Superman was, was raised right by good parents in Kansas and raised with great ideals and a a sense of morality, but most people aren't that way. Um, Most people are very, have a lot of gray area and, you know, unresolved issues. And so what if power was put in the hands of someone like that? And, you know, it wasn't just this like clean, sparkly white, you know, night on on the horse. Um, And so, you know, it was asking all those questions and, and deconstructing the mythos in a way that, 
I thought was really interesting. And, um, um, and, and I think, um, a breath of fresh air in the current market, which is dominated by large studio superhero properties. We love stuff that's unique, especially in the superhero realm. So super excited for that. And one thing I noticed in the trailer was Glenn Howard. And as a huge It's Always Sunny fan, I'm a huge fan of his. He is so delightfully evil in almost every project I've ever seen him in. What, what can we expect maybe from him in this movie? Glenn's awesome. Well, you know, Glenn is a, is a drama kid. He, he's, he's a, he went to Juilliard. And I think a lot of people don't realize that or don't associate that um, with why he's so good at what he does and has been so good for so long. So I think it's really great to, it was great for me to see him, you know, extend his peacock feathers in terms of playing a a villain in this drama. Uh, And he's, he's really great and adds a lot to the character. Um, You know, along those lines, like Paul Shear has maybe the most insane, one of the most insane scenes in the movie. Um, And, uh, I think people are going to see him in a completely different light as well. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of turns like that in the film where I think you're going to see people in a way that you haven't seen them, which is very exciting. It, it always seems like, especially recently too, with like the comedians turned to horror that people who have such a comedic background can take that darker turn and twist mm-hmm. almost as well as anybody. And it's, it, it catches off guard sometimes because you're used to seeing them make you laugh. But when it comes to some fucked up shit, a lot of times it's the comedians who can really nail it home. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it takes, it takes a, a, a lot of intelligence and some of the smartest people I know are comedians or comic actors. And so, um, you know, it makes sense that, um, but, but not all of them have that element of gravitas or being able to make you feel, you know, sympathy or, or feel something emotionally. Um, but, but Glenn has all of that. The other thing we want to get to, obviously, that's out December 11th, Arch Enemy in theaters and on demand. Definitely check it out. But you talked about some of the bigger stuff uh, in terms of bigger studio things, which you are also involved in. You're mm-hmm. kind of a man of, of two worlds there. We talked about Craven a little bit with you. Mm-hmm. Little Craven the Hunter. Uh, we tried to we tried to really stir up the rumors on the web. And I think we did actually, we did a really good job at that. We, yeah, there were a lot of articles mm-hmm. after we talked to you yeah. last time. So well, maybe not. Maybe why not try that again? Um, any 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 other rumors? Any anything about Craven that that is still on your mind that you can maybe share? <clears throat> no, I mean, there's nothing. No news on that front. So yeah, still yeah. still still on your mind though. I mean, it's still something you'd love to do. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah, I can't I can't deny that for sure. Yeah, that's that's such a that well, that's such a coveted. That's such a great role. It's an amazing role. Yeah, and Watts has said that he wants Craven to be part of Spider-Man 3, which is now building out to be like a multiverse type of movie. So there's more than enough room for a lot of villains, right? I'd be surprised if that happens because of Sony's plans for, for Craven and the Sinister Six. So um, I, I, don't, I don't see him popping up in two places at once. But, you know, Kevin Feige is the master. So if, if, if you know, people always thought there's no way Spider-Man's going to wind up in a, in a Marvel Universe film, and, and they worked that out. So I, I, if anybody could get it done, I, I think you could. I remember I saw that they said they were, there was rumored anyway that they were looking for a Joel Kinnaman type. Joel Kinnaman's too polished to be Craven the Hunter. He's a man of many, many talents. He plays Rick Flagg, obviously, in the Suicide Squad, now going to be in both movies. I think he's too polished. And I would love... 
Again, if you're listening out there, we know Kevin Feige listens to this podcast yeah, very regularly. Absolutely. So if you're, when you, I know you're listening. Listen to Joe. Get Joe in this role. <laughs> one, nice, yeah. one you confirmed, though, and you posted a picture of it very recently. Since we last talked, the Snyder Cut is a whole different world now. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League going to be hitting uh, HBO Max next year, not as a movie, as a bit of a mini series, which is which is kind of awesome. Uh, but you posted some new photos. I mean, t- tell us about the experience, the excitement going back into that role. And and is there anything extra you can share? I know everything's pretty close to the vest there, but but you're 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 back and kind of in a new way, really, with with the character. Yeah, it was it was interesting to get a call four years later (laughs) to come back and revisit a character that I only visited briefly uh, the first time around. Uh, You know, not to say that I I wasn't working on preparing for, for Batman at that time, you know, so I spent, I spent months and months in, you know, studying katanas and sword fighting at a ninjutsu dojo and uh, uh, qigong, kung fu. Um, also uh, working out at gun ranges with uh, former Navy SEALs and really getting into, you know, who that, who that guy was. Um, you know, so there was that side of it. But really, when you talk about screen time, it was like nothing. So to get a callback four years later to, uh, you know, to be informed that they are flying my armor out of storage in England uh, to, to LA. And, and I had over those four years, so many thoughts about the character and what I wanted to do with the character, including this treatment storyline that I wrote for, uh, for a, a standalone origin story that had attracted some very, prolific talent you know it was uh i I had zach and i had a really fun conversation and i I had some modifications that i wanted to make to the character and uh zach was game for all of them so uh there are some easter eggs snuck Mm -hmm. into that that i think fans will have fun with if they freeze frame and zoom in and and uh there's little there are little things little breadcrumbs that i kind of snuck in as approved by zach Love that. Can't wait to see that. You, yeah. like you just said, you're in the post credits for the first one. Uh, what can we expect as far as screen time for you now in this new version? This is obviously across four episodes. Are you in all four? Or are you going to be in a couple? What are we looking at? I like? am not at liberty to say. Oh. Fair enough. I had to try. You know, see, I had that, to try. That gives me, you know, I feel like if it was a snippet, you'd be like, don't get your hopes up. So that's how I'm going to read into that. That's, that's how I'm going to read into that. Do you like the, the, the model and the way in which he's going about it, where it's going to be a series kind of more than just one long movie, You're going to build up the anticipation a little bit? Well, I, I think it's unprecedented and I think it's fascinating. And I'm really fascinated to see how it comes out because, you know, mind you, if it's, if it's done in episodic fashion, I mean, you have to assume that there's going to be like, cliffhangers yeah for each piece and uh and that's that's really exciting i'm i'm, I'm i can't wait to see because it. it's basically it's basically a new movie at this point like it just is like there's so much so much that's different so much that's new i just can't get over you. i mean did you like lose hope with that character at some point where you're like we kind of like ah, eh, like loved it like i still have a connection to it but that just may never that may never come to fruition again well you know there was batman 
There, then there was Justice League 2, a.k.a. the Injustice League, right? So those didn't happen. Then there was an origin, Deathstroke origin movie with Gareth Evans, potentially. Then there was Suicide Squad 2. Then there was another version of Suicide Squad 2. Then there was like a Deathstroke versus Deadshot. Then there was another version of Suicide Squad 2. Then there was talk of a couple of other places that the character could pop up, none of which happened. So after four years of that, you think, okay, I'm, I, I think I've, I, I'm going to get off of this ride right now. <laughs> like, I'm just not going to think about it anymore. Like, we're, we're done. And then Zach calls me up and says, how'd you like to come back and do it again? <laughs> and of course, there I am. Now here we, here we are, back again. Um, and, and, and then the fans go crazy. And uh, over the pictures and, and the reveal and the speculation, and I hope, <laughs> I hope that this means that the ball will start mm. rolling up that hill again. Uh, I hope the fans will help um, because you know um, I think we all we all want to see more of the character. What is what's that power like, by the way, that you had that picture in your phone of the new look for the character and you knew that the second you tweeted it out, it was just people would go like there has to be a little bit of a rush when you hit send. I know Twitter is so meaningless. Yeah. Now, but it's like you hit send on that tweet. You're like, this is going to make a lot of people go fucking crazy. Oh, yeah, of course. And, and it's so much fun to be a part of something like that. You know, I've been fortunate to have been a part of you know, like Spider-Man. I mean, Spider-Man, we didn't have social media back then, but that was the biggest film ever attempted, you know, so much so that like people were like repelling up to the top of the rooftops of the studio, you know, uh, um, the sound stages to get pictures down of like just someone walking between sound stages. It's that little walk. There was, um, they stole the Spider-Man suits at one point. You know, to be a part of something that was so high, highly anticipated. And then, of course, True Blood was a lot of the same, where everything was under lock and key. The fans were so rabid that they were figuring out who had auditioned for what that week and what new characters there were cross-reference with the novels, cross-reference with the script sides that they were auditioning with, that they were paying money to get a hold of to try to figure out what episodes and who was shooting with who and what the plot was. So it's like to be a part of like something that the fans genuinely get so excited about is, uh, I mean, those don't come around every very often or, or sometimes mm-hmm. never, not at all for people. So for me to have lightning keep striking and, and then with be a part of, um, you know, the, the Justice League machine was just so, uh, you know, it's so much fun, man. You know, I remember when <laughs> Ben Affleck took the footage of me in the suit, we did the armor test. And he took, you know, he filmed it on his phone when I came down and, you know, filmed it on the monitors. And I remember him saying, you know, I'm going to put this thing out and then get on my transatlantic flight back to L.A. (laughs) And he just pressed send, shut his phone off, got on the flight, boom, and it just blew up. So, um, yeah, there's there's a ton of excitement on those days when you know you're going to get to reveal something new that the fans are just going to go crazy about. It's awesome. Now, another thing we talked about was Kurt Warner as well. We talked about mm-hmm. you potentially playing Kurt Warner at some point. Zach Levi going to be playing mm-hmm. Kurt Warner. I know you mentioned you're like, yeah, it may not work out. It may not be, you know, time might not work on that. But uh, that that ball now even further down the track as well, that has to be exciting for you to at least see your buddy. Like, there's going to be a movie about Kurt Warner. They got, and I think Zach Levi probably a pretty good guy, right? 
I'd like Zach. You know, Zach and I, I used to play in the same poker. I used to play in a poker game over at Zach's house. We've known each other for a long time from way back, you know, probably 20 years. And uh, we both landed in Hollywood at the same time and would see each other out and things like that. Um, you know, it's funny because I actually got uh, a text from Kurt that morning of the announcement. He wanted me to hear it from him uh, rather than, and that shows you the kind of cloth that Kurt is cut from. And uh, because, you know, Kurt and I had talked for years, we met years ago and, um, you know, had always talked about, you know, who was going to play him. And we had had many talks about that and, uh, and he had remembered that. And it just shows you like, he didn't have to send that text. Nobody in Hollywood sends you the text (laughs) to say, sorry, we're going over, you know, but I'm too old. You know what I mean? I just am, you know, at, the, at this stage. And, uh, and, and, and Kurt and I had talked about that, you know, Kurt came to my 40th birthday party, which was like four years ago. And he was like, you're too old now, man. <laughs> you know? So we, I knew that, you know what I mean? But the fact that he thought about, you know, how I would feel about that, um, um, it was uh it just shows you it goes to speak to to who that man is and you know i just told him i called him you know i i want nothing but success for you you're one of the good ones and and i think the world needs the good ones now and a step forward and i'm so happy that this is going to happen because you're one of the great ones and i'm rooting for you no matter what you do to be friends with Kurt Warner alone i think is its own special reward even if you lose out on the role getting a text from Kurt Warner i can't even fathom it must be incredible. pretty cool yeah it's pretty cool <laughs> so i'll give you a choice of five people to play five nfl minds to play instead since you aren't going to be playing kurt warner and i'll list them off tell me which one intrigues you the most the first is jim schwartz i think you could look like jim schwartz you're, you're a little too tall but i'll give yeah. you the option then bill cower that's a i know that's on your mind since you're a steelers guy hey, look at that face he's got this is bad yeah, radio but he got the good, good perfect face the quarterback <laughs> That's a pretty good power face. I knew you'd like it as a Yinzer. The next is Ryan Leaf, only because, just because. Ooh, good story, though. He's, he's actually, he's a friend of mine, too. And, Great uh, story. And he's, he is such a good guy who just went through a really rough patch, but his story is, is, his story is amazing. His amazing. story to recovery is incredible, especially over the recent years. The happy uh, ending right now. Exactly. And next up, I'll give you Rob Ryan. <laughs> you get a nice long silver you get a big silver wig you get a big silver beard you have to like wear maybe a little bit of a heavier suit some would say yeah, he's on the list yeah. as well and then your last one is jeff fisher this is the one jeff fisher's your last I, pick i see you but like right now like i'm just me imagine with the little long, like you have the longer hair a little longer jeff fisher hair you doing the touchdown when he thinks that they score at the end of the super bowl like you and the, I don't know, I think Fisher, that's a, that's a prominent role in the Kurt Warner Exactly. Movie. Listen, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, I appreciate all of that, but you had me at Bill Cowher. <laughs> it's Coach Cowher with the jaw. You got the jaw. On the sideline, like I'm telling you, like that's, you know, when he wants to punch the jet, he's running on, you know, he's I, I love, you know, and plus he's from Pittsburgh. He's a legend. Uh, I know him well, actually. And I've been able to like, I've spent some time with him where like the greatest thing about coach Cower is getting him to talk about like all the old playoff games and the old Super Bowls. And he'll tell you the inside stuff. Like, you know, he told me 
I just did a piece that aired. It's like a nine minute piece about how the, the past 50 years of, of Steelers history, we've had only three coaches. And so we did this great piece where I do Pittsburgh East and I talk like I'm from Pittsburgh and the coaches and uh, we only had three, you know, and I do, <laughs> you know, so we did this Pittsburgh East thing and, um, you know, we talk about how Cowher's first game in 1992, he won by running this fake punt. And according to Cowher, coach, uh, he called it off because there was a penalty. It was a five-yard penalty. It took him out of range. He thought this isn't the right part of the field to do it in. And he, he called it off. He went like this. And they thought they they thought this meant let's do it or something. You know, like <laughs> what the hand gesture he gave was like they thought he was saying, okay, let's let's do the crazy thing or whatever. They didn't they didn't, you know, interpret it correctly. And so they ran that big punt. And he's you see him on the sidelines after. He's like <laughs> wide-eyed because you know. Um but uh, but anyway, so I, I would probably I would I'd have to go with Coach Cower. That that would be amazing. Um, but the Ryan Leaf story would be incredible too. He's texting in. I'm too old to play Cower? Question mark. Don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I could get his blessing. Yeah, that'd be that'd be amazing. Um, before we go, reminder everybody, Arch Enemy. I almost said twelve eleven. It's also known as December eleventh on demand in theaters. But we're doing this thing recently. We didn't do this last time you were here. We want to get six movies from you. Six movie suggestions for people listening right now. Can be your favorites. Can be related to the holiday movies. I don't care what they are. Just six movies off the top of your head. All right. Um, I'm going to go with like off the beaten path. And I like to challenge people. So I'm going to say go see see Once for Warriors. Uh, Once for Warriors is a New Zealand movie from the mid-90s starring Tamora Morrison, who people mm-hmm. will know as Boba Fett. We're big Star Wars mm-hmm. fans, yeah. Yep. Uh, but they'll see him in his early work, which is how I discovered him back in the 90s. And he's, in my opinion, you know, come at me, he's the best Stanley Kowalski that's ever played Stanley Kowalski. Yep. And his character in Once for Warriors is archetypically Stanley Kowalski. It's a New Zealand Maori Stanley Kowalski, and he's the best one that's ever played it, hands down. He's a, and the actors are brilliant in that movie. So I'd see that one if you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, go see it again. Uh, from there, I'm going to say um, go watch Lawrence of Arabia over the holidays. Of course. You know, in an age of CGI, go back and see these monumental, huge, non-CGI scenes of planes and camels and horses and fighting and sand and you know these beautiful incredible shots that they actually got to go to the location to shoot there's movie magic in that film um i would say um seven just came on the other night um and i had to watch it again and it's just so brilliant and um you know fincher's mank is out we just Um, talked about that yep Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I am down the rabbit hole of. I watched Mank, then I watched Citizen Kane the next night. Now I've been reading all the articles. Oh, us too. That's We're us in the same boat. It's literally us to a T. I'm so deep in the Orson Welles <laughs> Mank thing that it's like I went down the Wiki Dominoes. So yeah. so bad. Yeah. So so I would say um, you know revisit seven. It, it's brilliant. That's a masterpiece. Um, Animal House. Of course. So good. Just, you know, if you need a laugh, um, I would say, what else, what else, what else, what else? Um, there was a great Banksy documentary that I watched on oh. Amazon. 
I forget the name of it. I mean, it might, it might be like Banksy. I mean, it might be named Banksy, but there's a great new, I think it came out last year. And that's uh, Exit through the gift shop? No, it's not actually through the gift that's, shop. That's the it, old one, the, right? It's a Banksy-specific documentary where they get into Banks, like... Okay, Banksy and the Rise of the Outlaw. Is that it? Outlaw art, rather. That, that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so check that one. And then what else? What else? What else? Uh, movie-wise, I would Maybe give say, us a guilty pleasure. Um, I can't think of a guilty pleasure right now, but Ghostbusters is in my brain. So, like, watch oh, yeah. Ghostbusters. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a... Can't ever go wrong with that. Yeah. All right, anyway, that's off the top of my head. That was good. That Great was picks. fantastic. Seven. You, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're down the same Orson Welles mank rabbit hole because that was the first thing that came to my mind when we watched it. It was like, it's like there's so much more to the Orson Welles part of this story that they didn't even dive. It's like, it's so crazy. Yeah. And, and there's so many like parallels to, you know, mank was definitely made in the image of Citizen Kane. Oh, so for sure. Yeah. It, it's very yeah. cool that Fincher got to finish that movie that his dad wrote. That, that's mm-hmm. one of the cooler kind of unknown, not unknown, but thing that people are kind of discovering that like it was his dad's thing they didn't get to make. Yeah, and, and what an interesting parallel that is to kind of, you know, the whole Rosebud idea and, you yeah. know, kind of like completing your childhood, you know, and finishing your father's, you know, work. It's, it's really, it's like poetry, the entire thing. Yeah. Not the quote yeah. to Lucas. But, um, but also stepping in to mediate this, like, argument, decades-long argument between, you know, Pauline Kael and Peter Bogdanovich and, you know, kind of trying to sift through all of that. And, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's a really, it's, it's a fascinating movie. And, you know, it's one of those things where, like, please give David Fincher the best director Oscar. Like, please. Like, he's been one of the greatest if not the greatest of his generation like come on you know it's like how long it took scorsese to get yeah for not even close to his best movie but that's just how that works it's how the machine works yeah yeah it's it's always like somebody gets it it's like it it almost it feels like it's when it's a legacy one like that it almost never feels it's always good work but it almost never feels like it's their best one. It's like, oh, we, we kind of fucked up. We should have given it to you like five times before. <laughs> but it's also like the photo negative of, you know, the 1942 Oscars where they like almost completely shut out Orson Welles because of their fear of, of Hearst and MGM. Yeah. And the business. Inside. So to give Fincher, to actually give Fincher his due after him being snubbed so many times is a bit of, you know. That the way, fact he doesn't have it for, for social network is that's one of those ones too where it's like social network was brilliant yeah brilliant yeah david fincher uh, you maybe you and david fincher to team up and do something maybe you win him his oscar i don't know just, just throwing it out there throwing it out there you could, you could bring it home for him uh, <laughs> um arch enemy our fingers crossed arch enemy out december 11th on demand and in theaters absolutely cannot wait to watch this even i like, was excited before then you telling us how much mandy influence you work with this team mm-hmm. very excited thank you so much happy holidays i would say good luck but i'm not going to you're undefeated i'm a browns fan i'm not going to say anything about the steelers so hey man we <laughs> face off today at 2 p.m that's right what did, uh, very soon that's right what did tomlin say he said nothing's perfect about their our team except our record that's, that's i think that sums it up that's right but listen you don't get to 11 and 0 not being a great team. Let me tell you something. Like this is the NFL. These are professional football players, you know, and please, you know, don't don't think we got there by accident. <laughs> All right, well again, I won't wish you good luck. We'll work on your cow watching the game today. Yes. <laughs>
Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, guys. Big thanks to Joe. I really wish we would have known that Spider-Man stuff before talking to him. Yeah, that would have been handy. Although, I will say he made up for it by having a great Bill Cowher impression. Because yeah. he did the full jaw and everything. It was tremendous. And we jinxed the Steelers big time on that one. Oh, we did. We fucked yeah. the Steelers on that in the yeah, worst we definitely, way. If you believe in superstition, we jinxed the Steelers big way. Oh, what a shame. Um, all right. Thank you to Joe Manganiello. Sound of Metal. That's our review today. We are reviewing The Sound of Metal, uh, a 2019 festival movie, but a 2020 release. Came out November 20th on Amazon Prime Video. You can watch it there now for no extra charge if you have Amazon. A heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into freefall when he begins to lose his hearing. Features a ton of recognizable faces, mostly off the top. Riz Ahmed. Uh, Riz Ahmed plays the lead role, Ruben Stone. Olivia Cook, another actress who's been in a bunch of different random things the last couple of years. She plays his girlfriend. It is a very, first of all, a lot of praise from both audiences and critics. I think it's got like a 96 or 7 on Rotten Tomatoes from the, audi- uh, from the critics, a 90% from the audience. People like this movie quite a bit, talking a lot about the sound, talking even more about Riz Ahmed, and if he will win, not even just get nominated, if he will win Best Actor for 2020. Super emotional gut punch movie. Um, it is... It's always interesting to talk about something this serious and this life-altering and life-impacting when you don't really know what the experience is like. Uh, So we'll give thoughts there. And I don't know if this is a great representation or not, but it seems to be a pretty decent representation. Um, And it goes into horrors of things that people deal with that most people can't relate to. it's it's got some there's some body blows in this movie. Uh, it's incredibly intense, very well acted. Like I said, sound editing, sound mixing off the charts for obvious reasons. Sound is an integral part of the story. Uh, Ken Jack, you saw it first. I think you and I either have the same or similar score. So I'll let you throw out your score first. Yeah, sure. So um, I gave it a 93 out of 100. I, I did really, well. really. Oh, perfect. So I I, I just want to start by saying that. Even if this wasn't the COVID year, like I think this would easily be one of my favorite movies of the year, if not my favorite. I think it's like this beautiful, serene look at the human struggle that's also like grimy and grounded at the same time. And I think it teaches us as an audience a lot. And like beyond the struggles of like the deaf community, which like you said, like none of us three really understand, I don't think that well. I think it shows like how effective that su- support is in helping people overcome obstacles. And I think it, sh- and it shows how people like us who require constant simulation all the time can really benefit from, from still and from quiet moments. And I think the technical side of the movie is great, particularly how they caught intimacy with like the really small moments. But I think the acting is more important, like you said before. Uh, Riz Ahmed obviously bears the brunt of the workload, and I think he killed this movie. You know, playing someone that's struggling with addiction is hard, and I, I think he hit a really good mark as far as like the addict that's found their, their routine in recovery and has the wrench thrown in that routine and how devastating that would be. And I think be having to find that sense of community and stability and having to be torn between your old life and your new life is brutal. And Riz Ahmed, he just, he did an amazing job. And from a technical side more, the decisions that the director who was, what was the director's name? It was Darius uh, Martyr, Darius right? Martyr. Yeah, I think they're very smart, specifically casting from within the deaf community. And I was reading this interview on IndieWire um, about how he's turning down like meetings with A-listers to play a lot of the roles, particularly the role of Joe. 
and he went with uh, I believe it was um, uh, Frankie, right? Uh, who played him instead? Who is a I think they go by Coda, which is child of a deaf adult. And I think casting him and other people from the community, like Lauren Ridloff, who also is a child of a deaf adult, and Shaheen Sanchez, who's a deaf dancer, I think was not only the correct thing to do because it gives representation to the community, but I think it, it gives work to actors who normally don't, don't get a fair amount of work because of their disability. And I, I think it also makes this movie more authentic because those characters who are essentially the veterans in Ruben's world in the movie are actually veterans in, in real life of the, the situation. And I think that experience and the passion comes across on screen. And at the same time, I, I think it was almost sort of brave of him because it makes the movie now harder to sell to these cutthroat studios because like when you have actors uh, like this instead of actors that are A-listers. So I like, respect that call and I think it could not have been more correct for him to do. And, and I think this movie's fantastic and like an absolute, absolute must-see for this year. It's interesting because this movie, I, I think it definitely, it definitely teaches you things too, for sure. And not only did they, it, it, it did something that I think I appreciate beyond what the subject matter is, that it takes something this serious that maybe a lot of people don't understand, and it doesn't muck it up and like make it overly corny and try to play into the drama too much or like the whole, like it, it stays it away from tropes. Right, it, it's, it, it is away from tropes. authentic and like kind of raw and real. And again, I say that with a small grain of salt because I don't know for sure. Um, it'd be like I, I think someone out there who may relate to the characters and the subject matter might be able, would definitely be able to tell us better. But you're right. It, there's there's a there's a feeling of this here that doesn't feel cheap and like they're trying to pull your fucking strings just to get the emotion out of you. And so I think authentic is the right word. That was my biggest. That was the thing I felt the strongest about with this. Is it just it felt real 93 for me as well trail what do you think well in in like part of the movie you're waiting for a relapse to happen mm-hmm. and it didn't happen like that they they stayed away from that trope and i, I was thankful for it like it, it was um it was not this story which was nice so I, I give it a 95 this is this is easily the best movie of the year for me um and then a portrait of a lady on fire too although you know i think both technically came out in 2019 but um, there's there's like three scenes in this movie that are exceptionally profound and, and one actually made me cry or kind of tear up or whatever and um, Ken Jack like the, the one the one that made me tear up a little bit was the uh, the slide scene and mm-hmm. so and if you haven't watched it the, the the title of the movie works on a, like a few different levels so the, there's the sound of metal in, in terms of uh, him being, you know, the, a metal drummer, it's very obvious uh, in terms of that, you know, probably leading to, to his hearing loss or, or contributing to, to a genetic disposition to it. Um, but the title also works in the scene where um, he, he's doing some rhythmic drumming with uh, a child that he is in sign language with on a, a metal slide. And the child is kind of putting his the side of his head and, and you know kind of feeling the vibrations or or feeling the sounds um, with his body while he's drumming on the slide. And so the title of the movie kind of has a, a double meaning with the sound of metal because it's not only the metal that he's playing on the drums; it's the metal of the slide, you know, producing feeling. Um, and, and then also the sound of metal in terms of the the cochlear implant. Um, and, and kind of the metallic sounds that that makes. And then finally in the ending, um, the, the sound that kind of gets him to take, take his, his implant out temporarily is a bell tolling. 
and embrace the silence. So the movie is about, um, and I just kind of like that with, with the title because it, it took on different meanings in terms of um, the, the three scenes I liked. One, the slide scene, and, and in terms of the sound of the metal kind of being that, that shared connection he had with, with the deaf child through the, the, you know, just the rhythm of the metal itself. Um, the scene where he um, essentially gets told he, he, he cannot come back to, to the group um, was, was particularly heartbreaking for both characters. And then of course, kind of the, the, the end of the movie in terms of him, him moving on from, from his relationship with Lou, like three very profound scenes that, that all were, were very, I won't even say like, I mean, and, and here's what I thought about the movie. The movie is very bittersweet, even though Riz Ahmed's character goes through nothing but pain. And I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on this because um, I, I thought it was bittersweet in the way that it, it, it for me, it was kind of watching, it's like a, a cinematic distillation of, of coming to terms with something. And that coming to terms with something can be anything, but it's almost like the five stages of grief associated with loss being played out right in front of you. And, and I thought by the time you got to the end, the way the movie wrapped itself around um, sound design and uh, the relationships that, that um, Ruben's character has with others makes the end this real cathartic moment that almost feels like acceptance. Like the viewer is feeling the mm-hmm. acceptance of the main character by the time you get to the end of the movie and you know, like we talk a lot about stuff feeling unearned in movies. Um, this is like the one movie where I will say that it needed every minute of its two hour runtime because every scene was earned and that contributed to the fact of like you getting to the end and kind of feeling this bittersweet end where Ruben's character has to leave behind this, you know, this, this love, um, not only with like love in the you know physical form of of the woman he loves, but love in in the form of of a movie or music uh, for for something else. But but by by taking out his implants and just embracing the silence, that that he's finally kind of cycled through the five stages of grief. So I thought it was exceptionally profound on a lot of different fronts. Exceptionally bittersweet, very painful movie, but ultimately kind of left you optimistic even though you've seen his character go through nothing but hell for for two hours yeah you you mentioned the the two hour part i didn't even realize that this movie flew by man it's like you said every scene really was earned damn which i actually there was a couple critiques i read they were like oh it's really good like maybe a little slow i actually didn't feel that at all i kind of moved which i guess Mm -hmm. you know different for everybody but move kind of quick yeah just the entire idea too a lot of these movies like this, and I know like we talked really long about something like this with The Star is Born and It's Handling of Addiction, but this one I was addiction for sure, but as well with with in terms of like hearing loss and all of that, they they one one of the big takeaways, the biggest takeaway is how it's viewed in the community as not a handicap, not a weakness. Um <laughs> that and and I kind of went down the rabbit hole on that. That's something I wasn't even that aware of, of how real that is. That that the implants and, and, and such that they discuss this movie and that he gets like that, that's viewed as a negative by a lot of people because they don't view it as a handicap. Um, and I think it, it's that when, when a movie that has a serious subject like this, that may not be something so obvious that we all know, like when it's able to beautifully show off something like that without cutting any corners or taking any cheap routes to it. Like I, I always applaud that. Like I, I think it's done in such an excellent way um, that again, like, 
like I know this is not comparable to Mank. It's like it, that's not what I'm trying to do. But like we just talked about emotion with movies, and this is very different than Mank. But like I felt the emotion in this movie. Like I just I think you feel it really fucking quick. I actually think visually speaking, too, the way the movie was shot, it just had a look to it too that felt mm-hmm. so lived in. Um, that I I just it's I felt putting, part of this yeah. movie. Yeah, it it it, it was. This was fucking excellent. It's it's for me the second best movie. Ironically, also came out last year. Technically, like in festivals, like uh, as was um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. So my top two movies of 2020 are both movies that were debuted in 2019. Um, but this is this is behind Portrait of a Lady on Fire for second best movie I saw I've seen this year. And, and it's a short year, but um, I think in a normal year too, like 93 for me would have been top 15 last year. I thought this was just fucking. Just again, just in terms of story, it, it was it was excellent. Again, I I can't stress that enough. Taking a subject matter like this and not taking the like like a cheap route uh, and making it feel so real and raw, uh, it, it's 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 incredibly commendable. Just without even bringing in the fact that Riz Ahmed, and we'll talk about it in a second, but like you maybe the best performance of the year that we've seen. You, I like how you said the, the the phrase lived in because I think that is a perfect way of describing it because like I was saying before with the intimacy, like the ability of of of, the, of Darius Martyr to kind of get these shots where like it makes you feel like you're part of the action. It really, it, you're cheering along with Ruben the entire way. Like the scene where he figures out whatever the, the word he was trying to figure out in sign language and like gets up and cheers. Like I'm sitting there and I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, he got it, he got it. But at the same time, the entire story isn't just based on that one part of his life it's like it's going in and out it's like him starting with his already four years sober from addict from addiction issues and having to now go through this other thing and like his entire life that was fixed there's a wrench thrown in that needs to now deal with this new thing and it's like you said true we're like he just he's just trying keeps trying to like fight against the tide and he wants everything to go back to the way he wants it to be but like eventually finding you know kind of i don't know how to phrase it right but like kind of acceptance in the stillness of life and acceptance mm-hmm. against that tide. And especially at the end scene where it's just like oh, yeah. 30 second shot of him, like staring, just feeling and hearing nothing and being content with that. That is a powerful motherfucking end scene, man. That is great. That that's a movie I wish I would have seen in theaters because imagine yeah. that's one of those ones where you sit there with this crowd and it's, it's, and sound is such a big part of the movie and music. And and then to have that final scene, like in a theater, like we literally talked about it off the top of the HBO Max, but that's one of those scenes where like you can really appreciate being with a crowd and, and kind of having that impact. And it worked on streaming, don't get me wrong. Like I, I still felt that moment. That's one where you, I tried to think about how that would have been in theaters. And man, if, if fuck, that, that ending, that's a great ending. It really is. That's, that's a powerful ending. It's a powerful ending without saying anything. Well, yeah, I mean that that the lead up to that too. I, I like, you know, part of it is, you know, just in the message of like moving on, or at least like you know, not things changing and not being the same, even though they're still there, right? So, and again, this is my perspective of obviously, you know, being, you know, I'm not deaf, right? I don't I don't have hearing issues, so that's my perspective. Um, but you know, with the, um, you know, the, the conversation with Joe leading into that and essentially being told he can't really stay there, um, because he got the cochlear implant and the, the community doesn't view 
their deafness as something to be fixed was an exceptionally profound moment. But then also the line where he told Ruben that he was acting like an addict, kind of with his behavior in that current moment, it then kind of led into this like this this bigger thought of of going back and and visiting Lou and um you know I, I just noticing you know she hadn't been scratching herself or her anxiety hasn't been manifesting and kind of coming to the realization that you know maybe you know while she's there their relationship is not something they can go back on because he's now seeing that like she's physically in a better place and thriving without them but they still love each other and they still shared this time together and it's kind of like the same thing with his hearing almost where he has you know this this implant but he's told it's it's not going to be the same that it ever was and he kind of came to peace with both of them at the same time um you know i know it's not the same exact thing but it was something beautiful about them having that moment in bed where, you know, mm-hmm. you've got this great scene where they're just sobbing and crying because they know they have to move on. And then him just finding this acceptance in the grander scheme of things, both with moving on from that relationship and, and, and from just accepting his, um, you know, his, his physical condition. Kind of like closing the chapter, uh, like that chapter of the book of his life, right? And like being happy that it happened, it's not like the shitty Doctor Seuss quote or whatever. But like legitimately just being happy that he was, you know, done with this part of his life and able to now move on and you know both go in their separate directions and be better people and not be the people they were before and be okay with that. And that, uh, like I agree with you, Trill, is incredibly profound in its own right. And, and what, I mean that that's how like that's how a lot of life works. Um, you know, there's a lot of life that, you know, friendships kind of come in and out of the picture and things just fizzle out and there's never a real clean cutoff moment. But there are times where things just abruptly change or people move apart and, you know, or you break up and you, you didn't really have a real good reason to do that other than, you know, that you just aren't to, to you aren't the people you want to marry. Right. And mm-hmm. you still have love for people and you still really care about people. Um and, and, you know, both, both with like Joe, like, you know, you still really care about that community, but you know, you, you're for either forced to, or have made the decision to move on with your life. And like, part of that's just, it's just internalizing the change and then getting fine with that eventually. And, and I don't know, the movie didn't take us fully through that journey, but you did get, they it did do a beautiful job of capturing some sense of peace at the end, which I, I thought was very well done yeah and another thing i want to read a comment that we got from one of our listeners said uh it's i've never really thought of deafness in the way this movie made me uh, think about it before but it's from mystery quackman says it's not just the language you lose it's your surroundings and awareness said thought that it was a beautiful performance from riz ahmed um and i i again i i would i would agree with that uh and a lot of people are saying that he is possibly the best actor so far in 2020. Now we don't have much time left. Not many movies left either. Um, I'll just throw out some front runners. This is from IndieWire. This is from back in July. I, should, I, should find it. I just realized it was funny. It would be like, it would be like Delroy Lindo. It would be Ben Affleck probably the way back. But Delroy Lindo is the only person I would even really consider in the same ballpark as him right now. Can, can I also add that the other scene I really liked, uh, I just want to take note of it because it was, it was fantastic, was the, de- the dinner scene. 
that cut in and out of the actual sound and the perspective of his interpretation of the sound. Mm-hmm. As when like he's like at the twenty eight percent mark. Yeah, you really and like you he's are at the diner. Yeah, it's the movie is so completely lived through him, and that's a massive part of why it works. You're not you're not watching, you're experiencing, which is which again is why I think it's so easy to connect to emotionally. It's crazy because um, everything's like a fucking conversation. Like every single scene is a conversation between two people, two or three people. Like even when you look at like the scenes where he's supposed to be in the in a rock venue doing a concert, you only see the camera zoomed in on him or zoomed in on Lou, and like you only a couple people around them at max. You never see like a wide sweeping shot. It's always like this this fucking small moment, and every small moment is done so great in this. And man, I, I can't wait to see what this guy does next. I mean, Riz Ahmed too, obviously, because Riz Ahmed is just like I, I think. I don't know how to explain how his career path has really gone, but like he is a very, very good actor. He's a fucking rapper, too. He's a producer. He does all this other shit, and he is just a, a great artist, and I can't wait to see what he does next. Uh, GoldDerby.com. This was updated on December 7th. They said leading contenders for best actor this year. Riz Ahmed, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I could see that happening for many reasons. If it's great, too, but I think especially he'll have a, a big push behind that. Uh, Colin Firth, Supernova, Tom Hanks, News of the World. That seems like a shoe on whether the movie's good or not. That just seems, for a nomination. Yeah. nomination. That just seems like he's well, getting that, nominated. Yeah, no that, but what. that's that's the whole press cycle of like he's back, folks. Yeah, twenty uh, about twenty five years after not being nominated. That's Christmas. Anthony Hopkins, The Father, Sony Pictures, December eighteenth. Delroy Lindo, we mentioned, Five Bloods. Gary Oldman, Mank. I imagine Gary Oldman will get nominated. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Uh, some other ones. Benedict Cumberbatch. Steve, you end for. Um, me and Ari, I would assume, because that movie's oh, yep. getting a shit ton of, uh, what do you call it? Clooney, Midnight um, Sky got thrown up there. Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah. The Courier, that's February. Tom Holland, Cherry? Hmm. Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah, that's no real date. Oh, that's think, yeah. HBO Max, too. Yeah, can't wait for that. Uh, I don't see Deb Patel, personal for David Copperfield. I think I'd be surprised. John, John David Washington for Tenet, I'd be very surprised on that one. Ben Affleck, I could see a little bit of a push. James Corden, The Prom? Yeah, no fucking chance, dude. <laughs> He's getting. He's going to be global material at best. Can, can I just drop the name? Can I drop the, the name of the second or the person responsible for the second best acting performance of the year? Okay. Yeah, Maria Bakalova from Borat Two. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually I, agree. She was the best supporting I, I, actress I took, this year. I took that episode off, but like, I know we're talking about best actors, and Delroy Lindo is. Probably, I mean that that that's the only one that immediately popped to mind this year. And I know there's some we just need to catch up on, and there's some movies yet to be released. But the only other one where I just like, holy shit, this person carries this film was Borat too. This is this is actually, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll get back to that in a second. I do want I kind of want to read the best picture ones. Uh, remember, the window did change. The Five Bloods, The Father that comes out December 18th. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, Olivia Coleman, Imogen Poots, Rufus Apparently Sewell. great. Mank, uh, Minari, News of the World. I just see news. I don't know why. News of the World looks like a fart, man. Looks I, like a big time I don't fart. think News of the World is going to be good. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Nomad Land that's got Francis McDormand in it. One Night in yes, Miami amazing. Uh, from Regina King. Uh, I think that, that one's had a, a ton of hype. One Night in Miami. Someone recently told us they saw that already, I think. And said it was really fucking good. That's Amazon December 25th. Soul from Pixar. I could totally see that being up there. Um, oh, yeah. Tenet. I, I don't know if Ten will get a nomination. It's only based in all the fucking vault. Trial of Chicago 7, that'll probably be up there. Uh, United States versus Billy Holiday, Ammonite. Uh, Cherry's been thrown up there a bunch. That'd be cool to see if Cherry was that good. 
Everybody's talking about Jamie. Uh, first cow. We saw first cow. I thought first cow was was solid. Very good. I didn't love as much as some others. French exit. Greyhound. No chance. Greyhounds up there. Mm-mm, Judas and the no Black way. Messiah. That's not out yet. Um, Life had a bunch of things. So this goes on and on. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That one's having a lot of acting nominations. Apparently, I hope Midnight Sky is awesome too. I hope Palm Spring gets a little bit of a look. I'm not going to say it's to get best picture. No, I hope Palm Spring gets a little love. That'll get a. Uh, that'll get a globe. That'll get it'll a get globe best comedy. Yeah. But even just like you know, throw it out there. It was it was one of the better ones of the year. I mean, I still love King. I still fucking love King of Staten Island. Um, what else is on here? Yeah, nothing else I see on here that we liked. But it's gonna be, it's gonna be high up the list. I forgot how bad the beginning of the year was. It was this so for bad. Best actress, because the only two I would think of are Elizabeth Moss and maybe Rosamund Pike. Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's again is up there. Francis yeah, McDormand's up there. Yet, so. A lot of the best actress nominees are, are uh, front runners. Uh, movies are not out yet. So, um, I, but Riz Ahmed, I would say probably the best I've seen this year. And Sound of yep. Metal is is a is an absolute must watch. It's a complete complete must watch. Second best movie I've seen this year. Powerful movie, and man, they it feels like they they they, they hit on so many things. They, they they hit on so many things. It's just just an, a really well done movie, and it, it's it's an it's an emotional punch, for sure. Um, what are we doing? I don't know what we're reviewing this weekend, and I only say that because and I always say that, but I only say that because there's a lot of options. I think. What do we want to do? What did you say you wanted to review a few days ago? I want. I I still want. Well, Freaky is finally out. Yeah. People true. people love Freaky. Um, but there's other things too. I think Prom is out with James Corden. Uh, yeah, that's the eleventh. But I kind of want to do freaky people to pay for. Prom is free. That's the thing. Um, what else is out in December here? Hold on, let me see. You got oh, the Midnight Sky is out this weekend. Midnight Sky is out Friday. Songbird is out. Minari is out this weekend. Man, there's a mm-hmm. lot of things out. This week. So we'll 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 figure it out. I would say in the clubhouse, let's maybe get freaky out of the way, uh, and then we'll we'll then we'll do probably midweek next week. We'll do we'll do midnight sky. It gives people a couple of days to watch it. When's the prom out? Did the prom already come out? The prom came out I think like it's the, the 11th. four days ago. Wait, so it's the fourth? What? Yeah. No, for, I I think that comes out the 11th. Am I fucked up on this? Oh, it's streaming on Netflix. December I didn't 11th. see the okay. So we'll catch yeah, up. Yeah, okay. We'll catch up. We'll catch up. To, maybe we do prom. Maybe we'll do prom and freaky because maybe we'll split them. We'll call it prom night. Prom night. Yeah. Prom night double feature. Just Top a bunch 10 of... James Corden rolls. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, very a lot more hard than you think. Audience gave it, uh, gave Sound of Metal a 94. Higher than all of us. How about that? Uh, excellent, excellent movie. Definitely check it out. Amazon Prime Video. Put it on your your queue. Put it on your list. Uh, all right, Trill. Bracket time. All right. Best movie jackets or coats? The jacket bracket. Jacket bracket. Jacket bracket. Except I I pick what I think are the top eight jackets, and you guys yeah exactly get, get to pick between them. And me too, I guess. Um, also, I don't know what's happened in the Grinch, but I think I think the Grinch is starting to like uh, face turn a little bit. Now I think we're starting to see the start okay. of uh, good Grinch, his heart, heart, heart growing a little bit. The eyebrow hairs. Why do they do that? It's like a fold over. I, mm, I don't really hate I this. I don't Grinch. know. It's, it's just weird, man. All right. 
Let's do the jacket bracket, which apparently was cucked by a Twitter thread this week. Uh, I don't care. I want to get your guys' take. All right. Starting off in the uh, first region or whatever. I'm not even going to do that pretense. It's stupid. I don't have the energy to do that. Let's just do the first matchup is the Bane coat versus the Indiana Jones leather jacket. Okay. So, there's, so there's, there's a lot of criteria you can judge by. But I, like, I, I don't think this is even hard. Okay. Which, I, which I, think that's in, I think that's Indy. Indiana here's, Jones leather jacket. The, the India, uh, rather Harrison Ford has his own jacket sub-universe because he has many cool jackets across all of his great movies. Like Han Solo, great coat, slash jacket Blade Runner, great jacket. And this, he has a great leather jacket. I think that if you were to say to me on the street, name a character with a leather jacket, I would say Indiana Jones, though. And I love Bane's coat because the fur lining looks sick, but I'm going to go with Indiana Jones. The, the, I'm going to go with Indiana Jones only because I think there's a better fur lined coat in this bracket. There is, and I feel like I know what it's going to be, I think. It's, I mean, I, that's not, it's not even a hesitation for me. I have like, you know, I'm not the biggest leather jacket guy, but I feel like I could wear Indiana Jones leather jacket at a sex party and get away with it. <laughs> I don't think you would. You're right. You need I to would, get me a cable. I would, wear, I would wear nothing at a sex part, part, party. Folks, wear, wear a shirt, but no bottom like Winnie the Pooh. I'm just kidding, folks. Don't go to sex parties right now. I wonder Stay if that's what it's like. If you're like a self-conscious person, like, you know, like heavier kids would wear their shirts into the pool. Like if that is that what it's like at a sex orgy, you wear your shirt, but no bottom. Just if you're porky, like self-conscious. You're, you're your porky body. pig in it. Porky pig in it. The orgy. <laughs> you're, 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 you're Winnie <laughs> the Pooh in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm just a little nervous. All right. <laughs> Okay, uh, the second matchup is the Neo trench coat versus the Top Gun patch jacket. So the the Neo coat was appropriated by very bad people over yes. the 90s. So that's what makes me hesitate on the Neo coat because if you wear it, you look like a serial killer. So I'll go Top Gun by default, but not because I think it's specifically cooler. I don't even like the Neo coat. Sorry. I think the Neo coat's pretty neat. I think it did. It did. Um, it just. It's, it's, it's just gonna. It's gonna collect. I mean, it's a. It's just gonna collect dust. It's a duster, technically. It is a duster. They, do you think that Neo coat sitting at so like a Planet Hollywood in Vegas or something? Is there somewhere we can go to see this Neo coat? It's framed somewhere, probably. Yeah. The the the, the problem I have with the Neo coat has got too many buttons. If you look at it, it has a preponderance of buttons on it. And the Top Gun jacket is actually very cool. So I got to go with the Top Gun jacket. We're, we're two for two on leather jackets, I think. Mm-hmm. I, is, there, is there anything more – is there any more simple nonsense task that is more exhausting when you look at something that you're going to have to unbutton and then button back up again? Oh, it's like I a shirt. It. It's got, it's a, you're like, oh, I got to un- – you're like, I got to unbutton that shit, and oh, then I got to rebutton it when I put it on? Like a thick, leather jacket, a thick, you don't even have to do that. You can wear it loose. Yeah, you, you have one of those thick flannels that just take a lot of effort to yes. punch the button yeah. through. You gotta like, you really have to stretch the buttonhole to get the button. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then like every time you struggle with the button, it makes you feel like a toddler. Yes, <laughs> putting on his daddy's uh, shirt. 
It's not like my uh, what was the the cheap flannel that I found that I had? It was like it was Pilgrim's Watch or something or Amish Paradise. <laughs> Do you remember you made me pull it out? I think it I threw Kohl's, it out. Right, Coles. Yeah, yeah. But it had like Kohl's a brand cash. name that was so funny. I forget it. All right. Okay. I I think yeah. I think we're comfortable with our first two picks, right? All right. Yeah. Um, all right. The Gosling Blade Runner coat versus the Taxi Driver M sixty five military coat. It's got to be the Gosling coat. This I, is like I, a bunch. These are a bunch yeah. of one versus sixteens in my eyes. The Gosling yeah. coat is going to be hard to beat. Yeah, that's the number one seed in my opinion. Can yep. you tell people? So, true. You have not bought the Gosling coat, right? No. I know you've you come considered close. it very heavily. I remember that. I considered I considered a coat like the Gosling coat, but I'm not <laughs> not I'm not yet to buying like movie prop repro coats. But I, I do have a katana, but I'm not there yet. But you did send us a picture last night, a mirror picture of you wearing the Chris Evans sweater from Knives Out. The, cape, the, the cable is, knit Chris Evans is, sweater. I, it is la- I laughed out loud when you sent that picture. So so I got I got I got like a cream fisherman sweater from Orvis, uh, which is like. You said Orvis is the funniest brand. It's like, it's like I would say, like if you listen to this, your dad would wear that, but only if like the average age of the listener of our podcast was like fifty-two. So it would be like something somebody's seventy-five-year-old dad would before they phased into grandpa. Was one of the least complimentary sweaters I've ever seen in my life. You also positioned yourself into the most unflattering position (laughs) possible. No, 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 people. There's nothing people listen want more than to like just see you. I, I, you, you should be jealous. The picture was that funny. Everyone listening should be jealous that they didn't get see it. That picture was that funny because because the sweater was so thick it it eliminated my neck. So it kind of like rolled up <laughs> over my neck, so it made it look like it made it look like it, I just have a face going into a barrel chest, and then for some reason it was gigantic in the arms, but then fucking hugged my belly, and made me look fat as fuck. It snugged it your add, it add, yeah, like so added bad. like thirty pounds to you. So like you, you took the same angle picture right after without wearing the sweater, and you looked at least eighty pounds lighter. It was incredible. Here's the best part of that. Here's the best part of that sweater. It feels like shit, and it smells like shit. <laughs> it's it's it's, it's it's scratchy. It feels awful, and then you take it out. It's got that weird like wool acrylic sweat. Uh, so uh. I'm sorry if you work for Orvis. You'll be you'll be getting that one back at your uh, processing facility because I, I the stance I, was so funny because you were in oh. the stance of uh, mom it's my turn to play the Xbox or whatever like you were stancing that exact way it was well, hilarious you just know like what your your body your posture changes so much when you're wearing something that you know you look like shit at it, it's just, <laughs> you're like bent backwards yeah it's like a dog <laughs> wearing a cone of shame you're just like planked out and you just feel awful. Mm-hmm. Sweater's funny though. <sighs> it was a good laugh. Uh, yeah, Blade Runner. Yep, yep. Um, and then the last matchup is the Gosling Drive jacket versus the Casablanca Humphrey Bogart trench. Ooh, okay, that's, that's tougher. Mm-hmm. I ooh, that's tough. I have a friend who's only gone as Drive Ryan Gosling for Halloween, like for now, like five years in a row because he just owns the jacket. <laughs> that's. <laughs> Because he was told if you wear that jacket, you're you're immune from prosecution on DUIs. <laughs> you're immediately you dust it off once a year like Mel Kiper. Hmm. What if they just changed the NFL Hall of Fame jacket to have a big scorpion on the back of it? <laughs> I think 
I think the the Gosling drive jacket's a little overrated. I'm going to go with the Casablanca trench. I agree. Yeah, the Casablanca trench as well. I I think it is overrated. I think you have a chance of looking okay in the trench as long as it fits okay and you're wearing, like, the proper attire underneath. Uh, You're going to look like – I mean, like, like Jeff Jeff and Ken Jack, like, you guys are not, like – you guys are attractive guys – you still would look like shit in the Gosling jacket. We'd look it like just assholes. It just that. wouldn't fit. Like you got to look like Gosling, or you got to look like uh, you got to be very attractive. You got to be Hollywood attractive. You have a very more. rectangular frame, and me and Jeff are more towards the square end. And we yeah. just need to be tall, I think, to make it look really good in those sort of jackets. That's true. You got to be. You got to be slim, like slim jacked or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, slim thick with it. All right, so so we got coming back to the top of the bracket. We got the Indiana Jones leather jacket versus the Top Gun patch jacket. So we're two two leather jackets deep. One's got patches and one doesn't. Like one's, a, one's a one's a bomber jacket, <laughs> and then one's just a. a I think you no. run the risk on Top Gun of people thinking you're wearing a Letterman jacket. Or one of those NFL jackets that has a, has a logo of all the teams on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those like, ones are oh. awesome. I want one of those so bad. Yeah, I got I to gotta stick with That's Indy. Anything. The Indy jacket is just clean. Sometimes simpler is better. This isn't, this isn't the gift card bracket. I'm not looking for all the bells and whistles. I'm looking for something. I, I think simpler is better here. Okay. I all think right. I would look like shit in both but I think I would look less like shit in the indie jacket, especially if it looks all beat up and weathered. Do you, uh... Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, that's a great question. It's, is it arriving beat up and weathered? Uh, the, the jacket would arrive the way you would want it. So, okay, if, so you, if you yeah. want like Indiana Jones to wear it a little bit and beat it up <laughs> <laughs> before you got it, you could totally do that. Was that jacket beat up by Harrison? Ford? Yeah, it was. He Harrison Ford. He, this is the one Harrison Ford had it. diarrhea in. <laughs> he drives his plane into them over and over. He, he, he was in Tunisia <laughs> and he had horrible <laughs> diarrhea in this jacket. He he flies really low with his plane and he whips the jacket on the top of red of, of red <laughs> redwood trees in California. Oh, I just found the most offensive NFL logo bomber jacket I've ever seen, and it's fifteen hundred dollars. Wait, send you guys. Why, why is it a Washington? I just sent it team? in the chat. No, 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 no. It's every logo, but it is the most offensively <laughs> bad jacket I've ever seen. Gonna, it's hand painted. <laughs> it's hand painted though. It's hideous. I'm gonna tweet oh this God. out. This that is look, this is incredible. That looks like a quilt your mom. Why, made why these old, logos? Like, that's not even all the logos. School. It's not. That's, it's not every. That's, 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 the back has more. You know, well, you, know, the, you know when you'd like visit your college girlfriend at her house and you'd always go like into her guest room and there'd be a blanket of her old t-shirts from high school, like sewn together. This looks like that, but the NFL version. Well, what, yes. what, what's the rhyme or reason behind the logos they selected? Well, they're hand painted. They, they only have Dolphins, Jets, Rams at the time, Redskins, Steelers, Cowboys, Saints, Bears, Bills, Giants, Falcons, Cardinals, Chiefs, Packers, Niners, Eagles, Colts, and Seahawks and Chargers. Look on the collar on the front of the jacket. They oh, and the <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? Uh, this is hideous, dude. This is one of the worst jackets I've ever seen. But and then it just has football on the sleeve. <laughs> Like one is that's like the fucking Kyle Mooney jacket. One's the words football, and the other one has a a fucking literal football. (laughs) 
and then they didn't even go for like a real NFL logo. They're just like, uh, here's four stars. Well, uh, well, the NFL logo has four stars now. But, not, but this is an old ass jacket. It has to be. Oh, that is a good point. They predicted the NFL logo. This jacket was a I mean, I guess so this one guy with his $1,500 jacket. Who the fuck is going to pay $1,500 for that? What the fuck? It's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Oh, Pretty amazing, isn't it? Um, all right. Anyway. <laughs> oh, it's the next jacket. Oh, yes. Indy, right? Indy Advanced. Indy, Indy advances again. So we have the, the Gosling Blade Runner coat versus the Casablanca trench. See, I, I, I still got to go with the Gosling Blade Runner coat here. I, I feel like I could make it work. I feel like I could just change my entire life to make this jacket work. You would. You would have to. You, so I think the trench, I think the trench is the easy way out here. But the, the Gosling coat, yeah, you'd have to do some work to make that thing acceptable but i think the work is worth it the i i think you need a very grizzled look to pull off the casablanca trench and you need to have also other accessories to make it look cool like you need to be wearing the right type of shoes you need to be wearing like a three-piece suit a fucking uh fedora hat that doesn't make you look like a, a nerd and it's just I, I don't have the time or effort to go through that sort of cosmetic makeup for every single morning. So I could put on the Blade Runner jacket with like a pair of Clarks and look okay. At least more acceptable than I would with the Casablanca Trench. Yeah, I mean, the Gosling Co. is, again, it's, though this matchup, this, this championship bout is huge now. The, the Casablanca Trench just demands a level of formality that I don't think modern society would allow you to wear. It's a good point. Unless you were, you know, a, a MD at Goldman Sachs or something. We're down to it. it. It's the Indiana Jones leather jacket versus the Gosling Blade Runner coat, fellas. For so all the, the marbles. So I, so I think the easy way out is Indy again, but I think the Indy coat is so much better than the trench coat from Casablanca that you actually have to think about the Indy coat here. We did, we, the, I thought we put the Gosling coat from Blade Runner first. It's, no, it's, it's, I, I know what I'm saying yeah. is like oh, it's it. easier to pick Gosling over trench coat, but now like I don't think it's that I don't think it's that easy. Yeah, I got the, it. I think the the thing here is I would look bad in either, and I wouldn't wear either because I would look bad in them. But if I wanted to have one on display in my room, it would be the Blade Runner jacket. Oh man, I gotta I I I gotta go the Blade Runner jacket. It's just the coolest jacket I've ever seen. You know what? No, but but Ryan Gosling's wearing it. That's the problem. It's a jacket that transcended. Like it, like if you know movies, you know that jacket. Not that indie, you don't. But like India, it's fucking Indiana Jones. Like it's a one of the biggest franchises ever. Not that Blade Runner is not well known, but like Blade Runner twenty four nine historically wasn't like a box office murderer. But the jacket was a big deal. If you, I think a good way to judge this trill is if you when you look up people cosplaying as K. Like, none of them look as good as Robert, Ryan Gosling, obviously because they physically, like, are just aren't as good-looking as him, but, like, the jacket doesn't look good specifically as, as good on them. Yes. Oh, yeah. right. what, do you guys pick, the, what are you guys picking here? Tell I'm going I'm going with the, the trench. I'm, I'm go- the, the old Gosling. I'm going mm-hmm. Gosling. I'm going Gosling. It's just the fucking coolest. But it's, it's, it's tough. It's close. The indie jacket, the more I look, I'm like, I'm staring at it right now. 
man, just the just the way Harrison beats that thing up. He beat it up. He really did. It looked oh. so good come that last shitty movie. What's it going to look like in the new movie? Um, it's going to have holes in it. I I don't know, man. I don't know. I I, I yeah that that that's gotta that's gotta be it, man. It's just it's just a perfect coat. It looks cool. It looks yeah. The, I don't looks, know though. The, the Gosling cosplays are pathetic looking. Yeah. Got let's see Gosling coat blade. Nobody uh, looks as good in it. But again, I still don't think I would look as good in, or like equally as bad anyway. In, in Indiana, the, 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 the cosplays don't, the cosplays can't really nail the, the they don't nail what you like about the jacket, right? I, I they feel like they're just, uh, like this one right here. Damn, the it, indie cosplays look pretty good too. It's just like, it's not, I don't know if it's just not. <laughs> yeah, it, it, maybe you have to be in the snow in a dystopian world. Like, I don't know, maybe it's a bad pick. I like that first jacket of what you sent. I mean, I think that looks all right. It's obviously D- DIY. I think the part of the problem too is that my, none of them would be tailored correct. So it'd be either too long for your arms and you'd look like Ariana Grande or something, or they'd be too short. And either way, it'd be a bad look. <laughs> I want to look like Ariana Grande. I would love that. It's fucking eight foot ponytail. <laughs> eight foot um, long, high ponytail. So the champion is the Ryan Gosling coat. Some some maybe second guessing. Thank you, Trill, as always. What was the result? Like, what were the coats uh, on the thread you guys saw? Like, what were, was it? The Gosling coat, kind of the the one people were liking, or you do you remember? What were the I mean, other ones on there? Shit, I forget. I saw the nah. thread. I saw the thread. Um, I also I also thought about putting the Back to the Future like denim John that Marty McFly wears, but I don't think that's iconic enough. Han Solo, yeah, maybe. I mean, actually, I do like Han's jacket on Hoth is maybe his best jacket, Harrison's jacket. I think fucking does rule. It's so cool, the parka. Uh, Christoph Waltz jacket in Django, that thing stinks. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that thing is awful. It's so over the top. It's perfect for the movie. It is not something you could wear in real life. I do like Tony Stark's jumpsuit in... Um, in and uh infinity war the one that turns in now i'm not saying that you get the iron man suit with it you don't get the nanotech but i've always i've always liked tony stark's outfits yeah if you got the nanotech it would be easy number one seed yeah i mean yeah <laughs> what's what's the catch on this jumpsuit oh it turns into an iron man suit. what do you think has a cooler leather jacket trill was it indies or arnold's and terminator um because arnold filled that sucker out yeah, I, that I, would lead I, you to believe that you would not. I, I feel like a black leather jacket, paradoxically, would be easier to pull off. And I only say paradoxically because, like, brown, just as a a, a clothing color, typically is is easier to coordinate with other things. But there's just yeah. something about a black leather jacket that's like, you know, very appropriate for a leather jacket. Mm-hmm. The the Akira pill jacket. That that yeah, it's, someone responded to me with the uh, what do you call it? The Vin Diesel triple X jacket, where he just had the massive fur coat in the first triple <laughs> oh, X movie. Oh, it's so it's it the, the biggest, biggest coat of all coat. time. It is so it's such a funny visual. 
<laughs> it is it's huge. He looks like he's like a fucking czar or something. Oh my god. Um all right, that's it. That's it, folks. This folks. weekend we're gonna do the prom and we're gonna do freaky. We're gonna do a double feature. Mm. Yeah. That's it. Uh for Ken Jack and Trom Jeff Flow, folks. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll talk to you next time. And have a good week at the box office, folks. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born upon this day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. From God our Heavenly Father, this blessed angel came. And unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Gentlemen, God bless you.